Daddy, 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 you suck. Eat my short, Daddy. Idiot. There's two things I know for sure. Daddy, you're a loser. She was sent here from heaven, and she's Daddy's little girl. I went back home in my pants. Thank God for all of the joy in my life. I think Mommy cheats on you. Oh, but most of Why is the mailman always here? Oh, with all that I've done wrong, I must have done something wrong. Daddy, why don't you get a job? To deserve a hug every morning and butterfly kisses at night. Daddy, you smell like beer. Sweet sixteen today. I'm dropping out of high school. She's looking like her mama a little more every day. Daddy, I'm pregnant. One part woman, the other part girl. I don't know who the father Perfume is. And makeup, from ribbons and curls. I have to turn tricks for I drove the car into a tree. But I remember. Can you just send me some cigarettes? Butterfly kisses at night. Hey, how about a dose for the bride and groom? She'll change her name today. Dad, I'm getting married again. She'll make a promise and I'll give her away. Dad, that's my ass. Standing in the bridegroom, just staring at her. I think I have syphilis. She asked me what I'm thinking. And I said I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I've gotta let her go. But I'll always remember. Hey, Pop, we're moving in. In the morning, and butterfly kisses. Dad, I have some news. I'm a lesbian. All right. Hey, but guess what? Lesbian is in now. So it's not all bad. 903 at 560 WQM. Happy Monday to you. Now you know why I played that. Uh, Father's Day coming up? No. Okay. Because this week we're going to be doing the one-hit wonder thing, which somebody suggested. Somebody faxed that in several days ago, and I think that's a great idea for a poll. We're not going to do that poll today, but uh, we'll eventually get to it. Now, you know who did the original of uh, Butterfly Kisses? No, I don't. How do you like that? I'll give you a clue. May 10th, 97 is when it first hit the charts. 97? Yeah, and you're never going to know because it was a one-hit wonder. Bob Carlyle. Never heard of him. Exactly, that's my point. See how great these one-hit wonders are? Although, if you go on the uh, Internet, you'll find anything on the Internet. It's amazing. And I just I just typed in a, a search for one-hit wonders, and show sure enough, there's all kinds of crap. A real good one, a classic rock list. I'm going to have to go out and buy the book, the Billboard book. they got a whole separate book of one-hit wonders. But this list is uh, mighty impressive to me. Question mark on the Mysterians, 96 Tears from Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, question mark. Did you know about him, her? I know they did that song. I know that song. Right. She was a screamer, question mark. Amboy Dukes, you're in the center of the mind. I got a lot of these. Arjun, hold your head up. See, the thing of it is, these are one-hit wonders, but, boy, the, the songs, man, the, uh, the some pretty heavy-duty stuff. Right, thank uh, you. Blue Cheer, Summertime Blues, I could live without that. Blues Image, Ride, Captain Ride, that's one of my favorite, favorite songs. That's a good song. Well, we'll get into that.
Eventually. Shocking blue and pink of Venus. Mm -hmm. Steelers wheel stuck in the middle with Jews. Stuck in the mall with... We, I think uh, if, we if have memory that. serves correct, don't stuck, we have a... Uh, stuck in the temple. There it is. Yeah. Well, we don't have time for it right now. Here's our poll from over the weekend. What do you smoke? I wonder what somebody's smoking in traffic there at QAM. We don't have any program log today. I wonder what they're smoking over at Balance for Life. The Beast who lost two more pounds. Let's hear it for the Beast. Oh! Even though he is a little... Stupid. 32 pounds he's lost on Balance for Life. And just to show how much they appreciate the great job he's done, they don't show up with any food this morning. For either, for, for either George... Well, I mean, you don't count. I know I don't who, count. Who the hell gives still. a crap about you? Although I will say this, George had a bonding experience with Mo in the hallway by the tea room this morning. And apparently it didn't uh, have too much impact because he still didn't mention our name. My name, your name. And he didn't mention well, maybe he in fact, he don't mention now. anybody's name. When he gets in one of these moods, which is like just about every day, he doesn't promote anybody else on the station except sucking up to Hank. And it's not going to work, by the way, Mo. I keep trying to tell you that. Talking about how even though Hank's a genius, he couldn't have picked Sarava to win the uh, Belmont on Saturday, the 70 to 1 shot. Who did? Nobody. That's why he was 70 to 1. Well, I mean, how, how, see, it's the same old crap. I'm just sick and tired of it already. Thoroughbred racing sucks. War Emblem goes to his knees at the start, almost fell down. It's a miracle that Espinosa didn't fall off, had no chance. And then, of course, people who don't understand the game will say, yeah, but he moved up there on the inside, actually had the lead a little bit. Well, of course, he had to use all his horse just to get back in contention and didn't have a chance to run his race, which that's not the way he runs anyway. And then by the time he got the lead, a little bit on the inside by about a neck, he puked his guts out. He was done. He was finito. So it just wasn't meant to be. It's just a curse. There's a hex over Belmont. Then, of course, Tyson got the uh, crap kicked out of him. Oh! We're not going to talk about all that sports stuff. That's been exhausted. We're very we're very pleased that he got the, the, the stuffings kicked out of him. Well deserved. Delighted. Uh, and then what else was there over the weekend? Oh, yeah, and the Japan beat Russia one nothing, and they were, like, burning down Moscow. As a result, they're pissed off. They were rioting in the streets. They set on fire a Japanese restaurant there in Moscow, right by the Kremlin. I guess it'll teach them to try to export that sushi crap. Anyway, we had 1,262 votes on the poll. What are you smoke? What are you smoking right now? What's the water Nazi smoking that our logs all disappeared? We don't even have a log for this show today. Maybe got somebody got in here and took the logs and the Balance for Life sacks. Yeah, that could be it. Somebody stole our Balance for Life sacks and, uh, and the uh, logs, too. Anybody buying that? No. I don't think so. We have crappy security in this building, especially over the weekend. Everybody's in here. Anyway, we asked, what do you smoke? I don't smoke anything, 453. we got a healthy audience, man. Almost 36% of this audience isn't smoking anything. They're not going to damage their lungs just because George keeps trying to, like, you know, influence them. Well, he tries to influence them because it's good for business. Uh, 202 people smoke pot. Just pot, that's 16% of this audience. So just a bunch of potheads. Cigarettes and pot, just to make sure that they disturb, they just scorch their lungs, 129.5%. Cigars, my kind of people, 119, 9.5%. I used to smoke cigarettes but quit, 110, 8.5%. I used to smoke pot but quit, 94, 7.4%. Probably with the economy, you know, they couldn't afford it anymore. Or maybe they're just old farts. Although a lot of old farts smoke pot, don't they? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, sure they do. I don't know any that do. Oh, come on, a lot of old, uh, you'd be amazed. <coughs> I, I would be. Cigarettes, 90, 7.1%. Cigarettes only. But if you take cigarettes and pot, that's 210. It's uh, almost 17%. And cigars and pot. 
Oh, and so, I'm, I'm not done. Will you calm down? Cigars in pot, 56, 4.5%. And I used to smoke cigars but quit. And just like I told you, very few of us smoke cigars and actually quit. Well, what's the point? You're not going to inhale them. And it's not hey, like you're smoking them constantly anyway. Only 18 people, 1.4%. Of course, we used to have like a real good uh, cigar sponsors over the years. And then, of course, uh, we had problems with that. <laughs> uh, speaking of problems, what are we going to do about that balance for life thing with no black sack today? Troy, you're really shooting yourself in the foot, baby. You're making a bad, bad mistake, Troy. Because the beast is really doing it. 32 pounds he's lost in less than three months. He's a shadow of his former self. He started, I believe, at 286. Now he's 250. Uh, no, he started at 284 and he's 252, right? Yes. Right. Got my numbers right? See, and I haven't lost contact just because I'm up here. Those assholes down there. Oh, he's going to lose contact with what's going on. In fact, I got a story today that's the epitome of everything that South Florida is all about. You know what it's about? I give up. It's from the Sun Sentinel. It's about the uh, condo turns adults only, and then they're trying to kick out the little, the couple just had a baby, the young couple. Yeah. Yeah. Same old crap. Rampant. Same old tired garbage, because that's what South Florida is all about. It's not a place for living and breathing people, for young people. It's a place for people who are either brain dead, actually dead, or waiting to die, because it's just a stupid place. That's what it is. I saw that story, and I said to myself, Jesus Christ, can this really be happening, or what? Same old tired crap, over and over again. The one hit misses, I think, is going to be good this week, but we don't want to do that today. One hit misses? <laughs> yeah. One hit wonders. The hits and the misses. I didn't get to that part of this website. This is a really good website. It's um, classicrock.about.com. And then you click on the hits, and it's got a list. There are 39 that I counted on here. Classic rock, one hit wonders. T-Rex, bang a gong. Oh, yeah. Zager and Evans in the year 2525. There, there's not, well, I won't say there aren't any, but generally speaking, of this list of 39, almost every, I'd say like uh, 35 of them I really like a lot. Looking Glass, Brandy. It's like they poured everything they had into the one song and then went What on. I can't stand is a Mungo Jerry in the summertime. I hate that. Oh, come on. Oh. Well, I thought he was black for the longest time. You like that time. song, Mungo Jerry I, in I the summertime? I did 100 years ago well, before they well, played well, it to death. Well, Man, I hate that. A piece of turd. Speaking of turd, log out to WQM.com and start playing the Toyota Baseball Trivia Challenge. Weekly prizes include golf for four at Shula's. The grand prize is a trip for two to New York over Labor Day weekend to see the Marlins play the Mets. So log on and start playing at WQM.com. You're welcome, Clarence. No problem. Anything for Clarence who always gets me my checks early. I sure hope you remember that today was payday. You know what? Today's the 10th. I just mentioned that in passing, because, see, Clarence ain't like our uh, permanent program director like Muff. He's not going to come running in there and saying, oh, yeah, it's already was mailed out. Should have it by now. I don't know. See, if it was Muff, he'd be running in there, like, with tears in his eyes. Because he kind of acted stupid once in a while, you know? Eleven minutes after nine at 560 WQM. Here's a simple question. If somebody offered to give you several thousand dollars over the next few years, would you accept it? Yeah. I'm sure you would, because it would be a little stupid not to do it. Stupid. Don't be stupid which makes it really foolish to pass up an opportunity to refinance or buy a home at just 3.95%. Here's the deal. There's a Fannie Mae program out there at 3.95%, both for refinancing and for the purchasing of homes. Think about it, just 3.95%, and all you have to do is call Financial Group. It's a toll-free call, 1-800-940-5363, and they'll explain to you just exactly how this works. That's 1-800-940-5363. To be more specific, you can get yourself a hundred grand with payments of only 475 bucks a month, or get 200 grand with payments of $950 a month. You'll save yourself a crap load of money, and it will be downright stupid.
to pass up an opportunity like that. So do the math and do the next logical thing. Get all the details by calling Financial Group toll-free, 1-800-940-LEND. That's 1-800-940-5363. They're an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply. And rates are subject We'll be there. No portion of this program may be reproduced without the no, express no, 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 no. of WQAM Beasley Broadcast Group Incorporated. You're a bastard. at 560 WQM. I'll tell you one thing about Wayne. He may not be good, but at least he's consistent. He was an asshole when he came to town, and he's still an asshole. Maybe just a little bit bigger, or a lot bigger than he was when he got here. Now, that's not true. We liked him for about five minutes. Remember those days? I remember. You liked We patted him on that bald spot and said, boy, we like you. You're like Santa Claus. Now, we turned out that he was like uh, an asshole. So, uh, signs by the five-man electrical band. That's another one-hit wonder. Right. Human beings, nobody but me. That's a great song that's been used for about 8,500 commercials, too. In every movie and all over the place. Yeah. Journey to the Center of the Mind by the Amboy Dukes. Boy, that was out-freaking-standing, you know what? Yep. Never heard from them no more. Won't see them no more. Amboy Dukes, they're probably like uh, 85-year-old. In fact, they probably live at Cemetery Village by now. What year was that? Uh, it's not on oh, here. I'd have to look it up in the book. Not going to pick up that book. It's right down here on the floor. I'm not going to bend down. Here's our poll question today, Eric, speaking to people that won't bend down. How do you rate the job President Bush and his administration are doing? This is kind of a gap filler before we start the thing with the uh, one-hit uh, wonders tomorrow. Okay. Look, that's because I don't have the book, although I do actually have enough here to start. What do, now, what do you think? About starting it today? Yeah. We certainly have enough to start. 
You don't want to do the thing on Bush? You don't want to do a little Bush bashing today? Oh, it's fine. Are you kidding? Bush well, bashing? Here, here were the choices that I was going to give. Excellent, okay, fair, poor, or he's a bozo and a disaster. Sounds great. Yeah, let's save this for tomorrow because I want to get a little more organized with the one-hit wonders. I want to get the book. Here's our poll question, Eric, like I said. How do you... Well, I mean, everybody's talking now about the failures of the FBI and the CIA and that thing with Karl Rove opening up his mouth in Esquire magazine and uh, all... Or no, it wasn't the care. It was Andrew Card. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> warning about Karl Rove taking over the whole place now that Karen Hughes is going off to Texas and this guy hasn't got any idea what the hell's going on. We're talking about the president. <laughs> like that. Oh, it's speaking of Ralph Nader, you assholes that voted for Ralph Nader. I got a great Ralph Nader story, too. Eventually, I'll get to it. I, you know something? I just have too much stuff today. We might have to, and I don't have a schedule either. I should point out. We got no schedule. We got no log. We got no black sack with the food from Balance for Life. I, I think the whole place is going to hell in a handcasket, if you ask me. There's sure a lot of stupid things going on there, man. I thank God I'm not there. By the way, there's a building-wide search for the logs. Yeah, I, w I would imagine. You thought we had an inquisition before with those uh, emails, man. We got we got a gigantic inquisition going on now. They got the hounds out. In fact, we probably had to bring over some of the people from power so we could make it. And George will have to get involved too. And Miguel, we can make it an authentic Spanish inquisition. All right. Miguel's not here all week, by the way. Why is that? Where's he? He's on, on vacation? vacation. Yes. Well, good for him. We'll be back till Tuesday, the 18th. What kind of vacation is that? That sounds like one of those long extended jobs, like, like I Neil take all vacation. Time. He must be catching on. Nice going there, Miguel. Here's that poll again, one more time, just in case Eric was busy with the Egg McMuffin. Oh, I found another McDonald's yesterday. Not that I ate there, but oh, God, disgusting. They're everywhere. I mean, like, uh, you know, if you're cleaning out like a cabinet somewhere at home, you might find a golden arch in there somewhere when you least expect it. They're all over the goddamn place. Did you, new, did you try the new grilled chicken flatbread sandwich? No, I did not. Now, why are you talking about food just because your sack isn't there? And already George is trying to sabotage your weight loss. Here's a guy that's done so well, we're trying to save his life, was just a big blob of turd. Now he's a somewhat less, well, he's lost 32 pounds and doing great. And just because the black sacks didn't show up, before the show this morning, George starts talking about, well, I wasn't even hungry, but all this food talk. Well, what, what, you guys started, what are you talking about me sabotaging it? You guys were the ones bringing it up. I never talked about food this he morning. He suggested Wayne Arnold's and Pizza Loft. Yeah. And we're not, you're not getting either online. one of them. I'm telling no. you right now, you're not getting either one of them. No, he uh, he actually suggested that we get something healthy in here. And so I'm going to work on that. Like oh. balance for life. I think that if uh, well, we... Yeah, that would be good. I think if we rip him an ass enough, certainly Troy's got to be listening right now, even with his bad haircut. Hey, Troy, there's no black sacks at QAM, you asshole, you idiot, you psychotic uh, imbecile. How the hell are these people supposed to stay on a straight and narrow? Thank God there's spots now. Oh, look at that. It's coming up uh, shortly. 9.40. I don't think that uh, sack's going to show up by 9.40. How about some fried chicken? Fried chicken? You crazy? Are you nuts? How do you rate the job? Oh, and how come I'm asking this uh, poll now when I heard that voice? How do you rate the job President Bush and his administration are doing? Excellent. Okay. Fair. Poor. Or he's a bozo and a disaster. That's all one, by the way, that last. We don't want to have two separate categories. Excellent, okay, fair, poor, or he's a bozo and a disaster. I'm thinking real hard about my vote. So already it's not even 9.30 yet, and you learned that Bob Carlyle's the one who sang the original Butterfly Kisses. He didn't sing it. He talked to that guy. And I forgot that already. Well, I'm mentioning that again for you. Bob Carlyle, one-hit wonder. 
And that wasn't one that's on this list, by the way. It's one I discovered myself in the book. I was just thumbing through it in the book, too. I could do that right now. Only, well, let me get to some of the stuff I got, please. I got a story here by Mark S. Rose from a new book. This is from the New York Post, excerpts from his new book, Michael Rose, Goodbye, Good Men, about the uh, priesthood. Man, it is just enough to make you flip your uh, your thing. That's a gay club, you moron. Like I've been telling you for a long time, but it really it really spells it out for you in grisly terms. Speaking of grisly stories, girl refused bathroom past Mesu teacher. Did you see this story? No, but good job. Sue away. This is in the Herald, no less. Oh, here's the schedule. Let's hear it. Oh! All right. Let's see. We had Mo this morning. He's done. I mean, his show is done for this morning. Uh, Joe Rose for See, it's a good thing we got this schedule. I wouldn't know that. The Mad Dog's off today. Boy, you would think it was like summertime or something, the way everybody's like screwing off. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I didn't even realize. And I got a big smile on my face. You want to know why? It's already the 10th of June. Rhymes with spoon. And come like July uh, 2nd, that's my last day before my two-month summer, uh, like two-day-a-week thing starts. Yeah. Plus, there's a whole, uh, there's like a week off before that starts July 9th, because the 4th, which would be my first show from Amsterdam, is July 4th. It's a holiday. Am I working on a holiday? No. No way, Jose. So that uh, sounds very promising to me. Speaking of vacations, Little Dog, Joe Rose this afternoon for uh, Mad Dog. We'll be back tomorrow. We got Hank at Chula's at 3 this afternoon. Josh Friedman proving that not everything is, nothing is perfect. He'll be on, but just for half an hour, 7 to 7.30. Marlins on deck at 7.30. 8.05, the Marlins at the Royals, Kansas City Royals. Well, there's a great uh, rivalry, isn't it? No. Oh, brother, this interleague play. Some of it's okay and some of it really blows. Ed Kaplan right after baseball and then Joe and Mark, the Dirty Boys overnight, to talk about uh, Amber Lynn. And a lot of other crap. Like, Well, let me get to the story. I don't have time. Let me do the break. Don't let me forget, girl refused bathroom pass Mesu teacher. This is at Ponce de Leon Middle School. And guess what she did? Well, guess what she was forced to do right in class? That's a little clue for you, okay? All right. Is that enough to make you want to scream? I've been close. It's enough to make me want to sue the goddamn school. That's how pissed off and fired up I am about that. What kind of teacher is that anyway? What kind of a freaking school is that down there? Does anybody speak English at that school? No. Probably not. That's where my mom went to middle school. You know something? I don't know if it's because you're working at morning show now, but you're starting to sound like Robert now. Isn't he? That was cruel. Uh, you know something? If I've told you once, I've told you nine times that uh, he's starting to sound a little bit like Robert. He is. So what are you getting for lunch? Fried chicken. No, you're not. You better not Mashed be getting potatoes, no goddamn fried bread. chicken. Look, if anything, we'll get a nice salad, maybe a chicken salad, uh, chicken Caesar, something, no dressing, of course. Yeah, how about some Tony chicken Schmidt? Sounds good. Uh, I want to see that goddamn Troy walk in that door in the next five minutes with your black sacks is what I want to see because they screwed up big time. And there's, if there's one place of all the delivery spots he's got that he shouldn't be screwing up at zero QAM because, let's face it, Let's face it, when your carpets get crappy, you can do a lot of different things. You can open up the yellow pages and play Russian roulette with your valuable carpeting. Not a good idea. In fact, it's kind of stupid to do that. Or you can pick up the phone and call our good friends at Dry Concepts. That's the smart thing. That's what I've been doing for over 20 years now. Every time I finally get fed up when the carpets look and smell bad enough and you finally say, uh-oh, can't handle this anymore. And, of course, not only do they look and smell bad, but also the dirt and the germs and the dust that cause your allergies to really swell up and get out of control, they're all buried down there in the fibers of your carpet. So if you want your carpets looking and smelling just like brand new, do, like I said, the smart thing called Dry Concepts because they dry clean your carpets. That's why it's called Dry Concepts. It's the same concept they use to dry clean your clothing. 
and your carpet's dry in just a couple of hours, they smell them any fresh, and because they get out the deep down dirt way down there in the fibers of your carpets, your carpets stay cleaner longer, they last longer, and they uh, are just phenomenal. They look just like brand new. And, of course, don't be fooled by those five ninety nine specials that leave your carpet soaked for two days and wind up ripping you off at the end of the job by tacking on all kinds of extra charges because dry concepts give a written guaranteed fee right before they start the job. No bad surprises at the end, just a beautiful brand-new-looking carpet. And they also do a stupendous job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, too, like I just said. So treat yourself and your carpets to a spring cleaning today in Broward. Call Dry Concepts at 954-370-7778 in Dayton, Palm Beach. Call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071. Clean today. And- St. Bernard, the Mad Dog. Weekdays at 1 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Why don't you go back to Canada, you Jew bastard? Put on my five ones and I headed for the street. Just checked out the best of Hustler and I'm starting to feel the heat. Suddenly I see people checking out my butterfly scene. Yeah, I got a first class riser. It done pitched the tent my jeans. Now I'm sporting a woody. I'm finding it impossible to conceal. I'm sporting a Woody I feel like an axle without a wheel I saw the ghost of Elvis He was sporting one too Followed him up to the gates of Graceland Just to see what he would do His ghostly face was beaming as he headed for his room Jesus Christ There's a pretty little ghost She's waiting for his post Down in the jungle room We're sporting what is in Memphis It's nearly impossible To conceal Sporting what is in Memphis I feel like a natural Without a will Sporting what is in Memphis Okay, I'm sure you know who did the original event, don't you? Walking in Memphis? Oh, I knew the guy's name, but I hated that song, so I forgot it. May 25th, 1991. That's the week it hit the chart. We got up to number 13, as a matter of fact. I'll give you a little uh, bio, and then, of course, you'll absolutely still not know who the hell it was. Right. Born uh, 59 in Cleveland, pop rocks, uh, rock singer, a writer, pianist. Said he had a great pianist. Won the 1991 Best New Artist Grammy Award, which goes to show how much they knew. Nothing. Mark Cohn. Oh, yeah. C-O-H-N. That was a medley of his smash, walking in Memphis. And that was it. That was the end of him. Won't see him no more. Maybe Good. he's hanging out with Elvis. He's either hanging out with Elvis or maybe with Jesus Christ. one or the other. But won't hear no Mark Cohn no more. You want to know another one? Okay. This could be a lot of fun. We could uh, we could uh, drag this it. out all the way till the uh, 3rd of July. <laughs> I love it. Might as well. It feels like a holiday here in the building. Yeah, well, what's going on there? Uh, George, first of all, you come in much later than usual this morning, which um, is really nobody's business, but I found that to be a little bit d- uh, disturbing. Yeah, I, I got hung up. He got hung up. 
and, and probably uh, made a deal around the corner with one of his Jamaican friends. And then uh, then he tells me that there's nobody there, and there's no log, and there's no black sacks, and uh, there's no cars in the parking lot. And, almost think, and what else? It seems that uh, some of the stuff may have been removed from Talent's mailboxes in the uh, control room. Some of the stuff may have been removed from Talent's mailboxes? This is right next to the logs. Uh-oh. So, in other words, there were people in there, like, thieving and uh, stealing over the weekend. Maybe, that's though. It's not certain. We're not sure no, what was in well, there. That's the, that's the preliminary evaluation of our Inquisition, okay? That's a strong word, though, thieving. I like pilfering better. There were a lot of people pilfering over the weekend in there and the uh, yanking stuff. There was a lot of yanking going on. Well, who the hell would do that? First I of all, how... No, seriously, how can they get in? In Oh, I got an idea. Because there's all these other people have those shows on the weekend, you know, and they have all their little boyfriends and girlfriends and uh, in-betweens come in and hang out. Uh-huh. Yeah, but why would those people be stealing logs and things like that? Or maybe Mandich's kids were in there this weekend. That could be it. They're a little old for that now, I would think. No, I don't think they're ever going to outgrow that. Les Crane. Desiderata. Remember that? No. 1971. Les Crane, it was like a talking thing. Don't you remember that? Nope. Originally Play a piece a of... No, I don't have it. Originally a piece of prose. Desiderata. It's a thing where he talks, uh, I don't know. Anyway, he was a... Les Crane was a TV host. He was on ABC's Nightlife, not Nightline, in 1964. You remember that? Nope. Desiderata? I would if I heard it, maybe. How about Tom Cochran in Life is a Highway? Okay. I remember, remember that. Not a bad song. How about 1985, Cock Robin, When Your Heart Is Weak? So who killed uh, Cock Robin? I don't know, but it must have been right after they recorded that song. <laughs> Pop group from Los Angeles, Cock Robin. Oh, there's so many. There are so many. I, we could kill months. Norman Connors, You Are My Starship, 1976. I remember that. Chris Connor, I remember that. Way before your time, I Miss You So. I bet your book of Brian remembers that. What year? 1957, on Atlantic Records. Chris Conner, I miss you so. Ray Conniff, Somewhere My Love, 1966. That was from a Dr. Zhivago. Remember Somewhere My Love? That was the of theme. Course. Da, I, had that, I actually had the Dr. Zhivago soundtrack when I was a little child. I, we, we could just kill the whole rest of the uh, show. Sir. The Dan Lears in One Summer Night, 1958. One summer night. That was before your time. Great song. I still remember it. Do you? Well, I mean, in replays, obviously. How about David and David? Welcome to Boomtown. Nope. Welcome to the Boomtown. That was '87. You should know that. It wasn't that big. Bobby Day, Rock and Robin. We had the Cock Robin. Yeah. How about Rock and Robin? You remember that? Sure, corny, but still catchy. Very corny. Okay, so I'll, we'll work on that. That's going to be a, a mammoth project. I'll tell you that right now. A gigantic project, almost almost as big as the Inquisition that's going on at QM right now, about who stole the logs and who diddled with everybody's mail, and maybe even some of the emails. An attorney for Ponce de Leon Middle School student has filed notice to sue the girl's math teacher and the Dade County Public School System because the girl says her teacher refused to let her use the bathroom and forced her to have a bowel movement in class. This is one of the worst stories... The suit seeks unspecified damages for humiliation that 7th grader Sophia Gutierrez said she suffered, Coral Gables attorney Jason Secton said. Sophia, 14, says she has a, had a stomachache April 24th, but her teacher, Edwin Victor Lewis, did not give her a bathroom pass. 
Sophia says she asked several times and told Victor Lewis it was an emergency. Sophia also says Victor Lewis humiliated her in front of the class by saying, if you can't hold it, you should be wearing pampers. Hmm. Can you imagine if your daughter had a similar situation in class and the teacher said, if you can't hold it, you should be wearing pampers? I, I don't want to imagine that. Yeah. I guarantee you'd be right down there with uh, with a piece. Yeah. With some Sophia's boys. mother, Judith Gutierrez, was furious when she heard her daughter's story. She says she wanted Victor Lewis to make a personal apology to Sophia in front of the class, but that never happened, the family says. Gutierrez went to the school and talked to one of the vice principals, demanding the school apologize as well. Her request wasn't taken seriously, she said. I was totally upset by this, Gutierrez said, and she should be, by the way. My daughter's never had a conduct problem. The teacher had no reason not to believe her if she said she needed to use the bathroom for an emergency. Officials with the United Teachers of Dade say that Victor Lewis, a union member, will be defended by school district attorneys even if she's also named individually in the suit. Who's she? Huh? I don't understand that. This is in the yeah, Herald, I, by the I way, so if you're it. trying to follow that, I don't, I don't get Victor Lewis did not return phone calls seeking comment like Greg Reed. Sophia, who had a B average for academics and A's and B's in conduct on her last report card, said she'd been uncomfortable at the school since the incident and missed more than 12 days. School officials say that Victor Lewis, who's been teaching for more than two years, has a complaint-free record. Ponce Principal Emmanuel Garcia says teachers at Ponce can give bathroom pla passes during class at their own discretion and for emergencies. He added that some teachers are more strict with passes because some students use them as an excuse to get out of class. If the parents prevail, it could force the district to become more responsive to parents, said Bernard Perlmutter, director of the Children and Youth Law Clinic at the U of M Law School. A student suing their teacher is not unprecedented. I've never heard of a case like this in Dade, but we're the fourth largest school district, so I wouldn't be surprised if it happened before. All she had to do was take like a, like a, a, a crap, that's all. Nature's calling, baby. It happens to the best of us. Schmidt happens, man. And he said, uh, you know, if you can't hold it, you ought to be wearing pampers. I'd like to go down there and just slap the crap out of him, you know, that hyphenated piece of turd. 20 uh, I till can't imagine. Sorry. So let me ask you, since it's time for a 20 till 10 at QAM, time for the balance for live spot. Did the black sack show up yet? We got a fax from Troy who's very upset. and He wants us to call him so that he can get to the bottom of it. He, uh, you know something? He ought to be upset. He's going to be a lot no, more upset no, when I rip him an ass. Did they show up at my house Friday night to leave me the stuff when I was down there for five days? Did they show up leave me the weekend food? No. No. I could have had Saturday and Sunday. I could have lost actually a couple of pounds. Didn't show up. We love Balance for Life, and the Beast is doing great on it. The food is delicious. In fact, the stuff they brought me for Monday through Wednesday was great. Didn't I rave about that great, that fantastic egg foo young with yes, pastrami and whatever was in it? That was unbelievable. That, did you get that, too? It was great. Yes, outstanding. In fact, I wish I had that right now. And also the wraps. I'm going to tell you, the wraps are phenomenal. There was like a turkey pastrami wrap or something like that that was sensational. The, um, the omelets in the morning are great. All kinds of good stuff. They provide all the food at Balance for Life. They bring you three hormonally balanced gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, even a 16-ounce bottled water. So you have plenty of food to keep you going all through the day. It's in that little black sack. You don't have to worry about shopping or making any choices or counting calories or carbs or doing anything because all you do is hopefully the little black sack is right there at your door at home at your work by 6 o'clock in the morning. Believe me, they will never, ever screw up again, at least not with us at QAM. Or, or, you know what we could do? We just call them stupid right on the air. That's what we do. Of course, we already know that Troy's stupid. Anyway, if you want to be smart, call Balance for Life and start losing weight like crazy like the Beast is doing. Here's a man who right before your ears is saving his life. 32 pounds off. He's like, uh, probably can almost breathe a little bit right now. A little bit. Even in spite of the hurricane loss over the weekend. Well, too bad about that. They suck, okay? So get with a real controlled and proven weight loss and eat healthy lifestyle. And don't forget, they even let you choose between two alternatives for each meal each day that you're on the program. So it's great news if the black sack shows up. 
Get in shape for summer starting right now. Call Balance for Life, 954-568-3229. That's 954-568-3229. Or check out their website at balanceforlife.com and say a little prayer. Can't. Marlins travel to Kansas City to battle with the Royals. Coverage starts at 7.30 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Neil, God. Are you ready for the blues? This weekend, your PBS station presents the famed Kansas City blues harmonicist, Nose Hair Johnson, in Get Ready for the Blues. Let me tell you, there's only one way to get ready for the blues, y'all. What you got to do, you got to drink a bottle of cheap wine, see? Then you get hit by a bus full of fat folks. Then you catch a woman with your best friend. Then you know what the blues are about. It's not easy to get ready for the blues. That's why Nose Hair Johnson and others take three hours talking about it without ever actually playing any music. And then you got to get thrown out your mama's funeral. Find out you got a burning sensation in your mojo. Run out of spray paint and start huffing watercolors, man. Then you know you're ready for the blues. Get ready for the blues this weekend on your PBS station. Made possible by a grant from the Chubb Group. If you had the kind of money they do, you'd have a Chubb, too. 947, look out for them blues, baby. I think that's uh, there's a good point in there. Anyway, here's a fax that says, I tuned into WQM for the first time in a long time this morning, and I said to myself, Joey Reynolds is back. Come to find out later, it's Howard David. They both sound the same. I don't think Howard used to sound like that, but then... Will Chamberlain rate me. And it had an effect on his voice. I don't think he sounds anything like Joey Reynolds, do you? No, no, not at all. No. Thank God for that. Thanks God for small favors, Mo. I just talked to Troy from Balance for Life. And what did he say? Was he apologetic? He well, he's very out of breath. He's very upset because and he and he well should be because I'm going to carve him an ass. He knows that. <laughs> According to his manifest, everything was delivered on time. He's talking going to talk to the driver right now, make sure and check up. But he everything was delivered according to his record. Well, now wait a minute, just a second here. Let's uh, let's get involved in this inquisition a little bit right on air here. Is it possible that the food was delivered and somebody dicked with that also? It could very well be knowing this place. Since we have all these things that have vanished, the logs are disappearing, and people's right. mail be disappearing, and maybe the little black sacks be disappearing. Not that anybody even probably even knew what the hell was inside. Just out of spite, maybe we got some Ojean provocateur in that place going on now, huh? Maybe, but Troy is—he's very upset. He's trying to get to the bottom of it. Or maybe his uh, delivery guy just uh, wrote down, you know, a bunch of stuff like he delivered, and he didn't do it. Maybe that's it. Maybe he ate it. Well, I'm willing maybe to give Troy, or, I'm willing to give Troy the benefit of the doubt. No. Okay. Absolutely yeah. not. You kidding me? He's been great. You ever to see me. him? Do you ever see that haircut? No. God Almighty. Anyway, here's a fax from Ron, who says he's the Camaro SS guy. Do we know what that means? No. I don't know what that means, Ron. But thanks for he's got a good list for. In fact, anybody that's got one hit wonder stuff, you can start faxing that in today at three zero five six five zero one nine eight. Even though we're doing a different pool today, we'll start that tomorrow. Once I get the book. And then not only that, it'll give me some time to do some homework on there and go through. Because you'll notice just in a couple of pages and going through my uh, Top 40 book, look at all the good stuff I found in there. Look right. at all the crap. 44 votes on our poll. How do you rate the job that President Bush and his administration be doing? He's a bozo and disaster, 21. Excellent, 12. Okay, 7. Okay. Fair, 3. And poor, 1. <clears throat> 
So here's the list from Ron. Little bit of soul by the music explosion. See, I'm going to have to verify those and find, you know, by looking it up in the book, making sure that was the only hit. But I'm sure in that case, Tracy by the Cufflinks. Yeah. You remember that, don't you? No. Tracy, that, and oh, no, yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. it. That was something. No, that's not how that oh, goes. That was something. Uh, something. Don't be a hero. What was, what was that called? Billy, Billy, don't, Billy be don't be a hero. But it, but it sounded kind of like that. If I if I had it here, you'd have recognized it. Winchester Cathedral and Ron didn't know it was by the new vaudeville band. He has a question mark. Shame on you, Ron. No wonder you drive a Camaro and not a Corvette. Bonnie and Clyde by Georgie Fame. Excellent. He redeemed himself there real quick. Get together by the Youngbloods. Very good. That was a big hit. Mm -hmm. Suspicion by Terry Stafford and Elvis Soundlike. That was a good song, Suspicion. Uh, Little Green Bag by the George Baker Selection. I got one of those. And Double Shot of My Baby's Love by the Swingin' Medallions. Boy, this is excellent. I love that. I love the music shows because it kills a lot of good time. Speaking of killing good time, this goddamn Ralph Nader. And I'm going to say it again. You assholes out there that voted for Ralph Nader and helped make uh, Bush president beside the fact they stole Florida. Just you, you people frost my ass. To show you what a total asshole Ralph Nader is, I, I read this story a couple of days ago. It was right after um, Game 6 of the Western Conference NBA. Did you see this beast? He left the room. What do you mean he left the room? Oh, don't well. tell me he had a... <laughs> Gee, if you can't hold it, you ought to wear pampers uh, to work, okay? He, he didn't tell me why he was leaving. He just left. He left very suddenly. He That's started acting anyway. a little bit stupid. Better watch it. Better watch it, because he's producing the Mo Show, and if he looks at Mo cross-eyed one time, that'll be the end for him. He'll be finito. Ralph Nader, this is in the New York Post today, editorial by the Post, as a matter of fact. Ralph Nader, the self-styled consumer affairs crusader and Green Party presidential candidate, has a new cause, cleaning up officiating in the National Basketball Association. Huh? Yeah, appalled by the number of fouls called against the Sacramento Kings in Game 6 of the Western Conference Championship Series with the L.A. Lakers, Nader's demanding an official review. Nader believes that the public's confidence, shaken because of corporate misbehavior, demands greater impartiality and professionalism in sports. That sense was severely broken during Game 6, he complains in a letter to NBA Commissioner David Stern. Actually, the Kings received more fouls in Game 7, but couldn't hit their free throws. Grounds for another investigation? It's quite clear what's going on here. Nader almost single-handedly made the trial lawyers what they are today. His dubious probes of the auto industry in the 60s and 70s and his hordes of public interest research groups helped ignite the litigation explosion that now hobbles legitimate business. Does he mean to make pro sports next? Last year, one baseball fan sued another one over one of Barry Bonds' record-breaking home run balls. Will Nader now help spur lawsuits over calls from referees and umpires? Whether it's the assembly line or the basketball, basketball court, doesn't matter. Ralph Nader is unsafe in any arena. What a great, a short, but right to the point, editorial in the uh, right-wing New York Post today. I love it. And a lot of you clowns out there, well, not a lot, but some of you bozos out there voted for Ralph Nader. Remember some of those old grizzled farts calling in after the election and trying to defend the indefensible about how come, why they voted for him, et cetera, and so on? If I live to be a thousand. Shame on you, people. Shame on you. Who did that song, Shame on You? Give me a moment. Now, now you're looking it up in the guy's book. No, I'm not. I have no book. Beast will verify. Yes, you do. You've you got, got a book there. But I have it nowhere near me. Well, I have my book in my hand right now. Shame no on me. There is no such CD. song as Shame on You. There is Shame on Me by Bobby Beer. There is no such song as Shame on You. No. I'm thinking of it. Man, well, you I made mean, me think of it, but that's because I just planted the seed in your brain. There's no, no there was song. Some at least disco it, song or soul or something like that. 
I hear it in my head. Shame, shame. Yeah, you know something? I think you're right. There's shame. Shame on you if you can't dance too. I'm, I'm thinking of it. It's some black shame lady. by Evelyn Champagne King. Maybe that's it. And then Zane also recorded Shame, but it wasn't called Shame on You. Well, whatever. See, once we start getting the music, it's just enough to drive you up the wall. It drives you nuts. You can lose it. Let's see, Making Predators. I better not start doing this one right now because it's too long. But it, believe me, believe me, it will capture your attention. Oh, here's some good news. My homo level, since everybody's concerned about my, my cholesterol, was only 207, which isn't that bad. Not should be under 200, but 207 for a fat old slob like me and all that bad, especially eating all that Nestle's turtle, which I did again this weekend. Oh, sorry about that. I couldn't resist. I'm in my supermarket, and I'm looking at Now, why did I stop and look in the ice cream? Why? Huh? Why did I do why that? Why did you do that? Because I went to my Dominion store, and I walked. I marched right past the ice cream cooler. I, I flew by there. Although out of the corner of the eye, my eye, I did see the half gallons of Nestle's turtle. I thought, oh, no, that'll, that'll be the end for you. I flew by. But then in my other supermarket, I walked in here, and I, I'm looking in the ice cream thing, and it was like uh, Nestle's flavors, but not turtle. And I thought, okay, I'm safe. But I looked on the labels. You know how in the front, if you look in the real small print there, they label what, where everything is supposed to be? Right. And it said Nestle's turtle. Well, it was some other kind of flavor. So I moved the first one out of the way, and lo and behold, guess what was right behind it? <laughs> Nestle's turtle, mm -hmm. God damn it. A leader. I said, take me to your leader. And, of course, you're going to say, well, you didn't bring it home and eat the whole thing all at once, Of course did you? you did. Sure I did. That's, that's like a little more than a quart. A quart of ice cream. Is that is that disgusting or what? Sounds good to me. It was good. It was outstanding. You'd have loved it. But my homo level, since I'm taking my folic acid with bees, that uh, sundown product, which I gave you the wrong name on that. I have to go look at a bottle. Now, normal is 4.3 to 15.3, but you really want it under 10. And in, in spite of a lot of the cardiologists out there who are most of my real assholes, like my former doctor, like Dr. Dick, who are obsessed with cholesterol levels, in spite of that, just like Dr. Macaulay, uh, Kilmer, uh, Macaulay Culkin or whatever his name is, says, homocysteine is the real marker for uh, heart disease, baby, for heart attack. And my homo level was 7.4. Oh! I think that's the second best I've ever had. How do you like that, huh? Awesome. Not because I'm doing anything all that right, but because I'm loading up on that folic acid every day. I pop those things like crazy. See, I'll tell you, there are two or three things. The omega fish oils, I don't want to get on this nutrition crap because our audience likes to eat. But the omega-3, 6, and 9 fish oils, the CoQ10, and the folic acid, those three things, when you can actually see a difference in the way you feel and also your body chemistry based on supplements, then you really can poo-poo these asshole doctors and other uh, jerks who don't know what they're talking about who say, oh, yeah, that stuff, uh, all it does is give you a healthy toilet bowl. It doesn't do anything because you pee it right out. Wrong. You're wrong, doctor. By the way, I got to, from now until the middle of October to find a doctor down there. You think there's a chance? There's a chance. See, the good thing what, is what? I don't really need a doctor that much anymore now that I got my friend Ed in that lab there, Oracle Laboratories. Thanks again, Ed. You're the best, baby. 956 at 560 WQAM. If you're tired of hassles with your cellular phone service, if you're tired of that $50 a month plan that you thought you bought, which winds up really costing you hundreds of dollars a month, then get on the team with Team Celtech at Celtech Communications, your authorized Nextel representative. For over 25 years, Celtech's been providing South Florida with the best service. They take away the hassle from dealing with a cellular company, not to mention the expense, too. And right now, Nextel Shared Rewards Plan allows you to share 4,000 monthly minutes with free in incoming calls for only $54.99. Celtech's got a great selection of other plans, no matter what your budget, with most including free incoming calls, nationwide long distance, caller ID, voicemail, and Nextel's unique direct connect two-way radio feature. 
So whether it's one phone, a thousand or resilient phones, take it from me and our very own starting quarterback, Jay Fiedler, who's all over the place. He's got his finger in every slot you can find. Celtech Communications, your authorized Nextel representative, is the only smart way to go. Call 1-800-CELTEC-2 today and get yourself connected. That's 1-800-CELTEC and the number 2. Celtech Communications. Warm wishes for all your gift-giving needs. The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I wouldn't believe a word Neil said if his tongue was notarized. I sound kind of like Gene Hackman, but I'm not. And the name of our company kind of sounds like Lowe's, but it's not. It's Blows, the lousy home improvement store. Whether you're looking for a cheap nail gun that hits the mark about 80% of the time or so, or advice from a numbskull who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Okay, just grab the saw. Okay, now squeeze the trigger. Go ahead, go ahead. Everything you get from Blows, Blows. Who can I help next? Remember, I'm not Gene Hackman. And we're not Lowe's. We're Blows. Blows. Proving we don't know home improvement. 1002 at 560 WQM. Now, our audience blows. Look at these uh, faxes that you just faxed to me. Do you yeah. think they're having a little difficulty understanding what I'm talking about? I'm talking about one-hit wonders. Fax me your suggestions for one-hit wonders. And we had a couple of good faxes. And now here's one that says, How about F Troop, Rat Patrol, Fathers Knows Best, and Leave It to a Beaver? And here's another one that says, The Untouchables. Maybe I faxed the wrong side. Right. By the way, an update on the Inquisition. Yes? They're now going to the videotapes from all the video cameras. Good. Excellent. Oh! There's been some real diddling around there. And you know what? It strikes me probably a, a disgruntled ex-employee. Isn't that what usually happens? A lot, typically. Somebody that still has access to the building. At because the no, no stranger, no outsider would come in there and diddle with the logs. They wouldn't even know what a program log looks like. I mean, they, they'd see it. They wouldn't even know what it was. Right. Am I right? No, or the value of it. They could sell it on the black market. Yeah. Well, you mean at EDR? Maybe that's what they did with the black sacks. Yeah, maybe they took everything that was black. I, I don't know, but it's, it looks to me. Now, now, see, this is a question of who do you believe? You know, do we believe Troy that his delivery guy showed up? Because they didn't show up at my house over the weekend, Friday night. He claimed that Troy that. Stratford did not tell him you were going to be back Friday. That, that's a, now, that's a lie because George knows better. They, they faxed me sample menus to fill out, and I told uh, George, I said, tell them, uh, bring, they know what I like, bring whatever they want. I don't need to fill these out. Remember that? I remember it. Yeah. Troy was here. So don't give me a song and a dance about that. They didn't know that I was going to be there. They knew I was going to be there, and they screwed up. They effed up, okay? They effed up. F troop, F up. Speaking of effing up, 89 votes in our poll so far. How do you uh, how do you rate the job that the president and his administration, his gang of Nazis, are doing? So I mean, his uh, administration are doing so far. He's a bozo and is a disaster. 40, excellent. 21, okay. 17, okay. Fair. 7 and poor. Four. New York Post making predators. How did the Catholic Church wind up with so many predator priests? Some shocking answers can be found in Goodbye, Good Men, Michael S. Rose's new book on malfeasance in the church's seminaries in America and in Europe. To preserve confidentiality, some names are pseudonyms. The issue was never one of my suitability for ordination. Rather, it was the gay clique that had been given veto power over who God ordained, says 
Joseph Kalenyi, former seminarian at Mundelein Seminary in Chicago. This is to put it mildly. That's a gay club, you moron. How can any healthy heterosexual seminarian expect to be properly formed and prepared for the Catholic priesthood when he is constantly subjected to that which is so clearly contrary to church teaching and discipline? How many heterosexual seminarians, orthodox or not, have decided to leave the seminary and abandon their vocations because of the gay subculture they were forced to endure because they've been harassed or even molested? We're not talking here about the presence of a few homosexually oriented men who conduct themselves with perfect chastity. Rather, there exists an intense and often threatening atmosphere. According to former seminarians and recently ordained priests, this gay subculture is so prominent at certain seminaries that these institutions have earned nicknames such as Notre Flame for Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans and Theological Closet for Theological College at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore has earned the nickname The Pink Palace. The Pink Palace. Yeah, I'm with you. Father Andrew Walder, ordained for the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut in 2000, spent several semesters at the Baltimore School as a seminarian for the Diocese of Patterson, New Jersey. The problem was so bad, he explained, that some of the students and faculty used to get dressed up in leather to go to the block, Baltimore's equivalent of 42nd Street in Manhattan. Seminarians, sometimes accompanied by faculty members, would do this regularly, Walder explained. They would meet in the foyer and then head for the gay bars. The situation is not new, and the claim is not uncommon. In March of 2000, Father Andrew Greeley, a well-known liberal priest sociologist from Chicago, testified that seminary professors tell their students that they're gay and take some of them to gay bars, and gay students sleep with each other. Walter said he tried to explain to his bishop, Frank Rodimer, what, what the atmosphere of the school was with such an open acceptance and sometimes encouragement of the gay subculture. My constant theme to the bishop was that this is not just about homosexuality. This is about an agenda in a celibate seminary. It's something directly in conflict with the teaching of the church. These people are promoting this conflict. Father John Tregilio of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania Diocese remembers visiting St. Mary's in Baltimore when he was a seminarian in Pennsylvania. There was no discretion at all, he said, of the gay subculture there. The few times I was there, some of the seminarians were li would literally dress like gays from the village. They would even go so far as to wear pink silk. It was like going to see La Caja Fall. In my day at St. Mary's, said Father John Despard, now a religious order priest from the southeast, down the hall there would be two guys together in the shower and everybody knew it. Seminarians who accept the church's teaching on sexual morality have not only been dismissed from seminary as troublemakers, they've also been threatened by classmates and faculty, especially in religious houses, that if they did not submit to homosexuality to espouse and defend homosexual acts, if not take part of them, their priestly careers would be in jeopardy. In the mid-30s, James Thesiger attended a Midwestern seminary in his mid-30s. From the time he first arrived there, he found that his orthodox views of the church were not wanted. He was even accused many times of leading the younger seminarians away from what the formation staff was trying to instill in them, what they were trying to stick in them. During the second year of his seminary studies, it was visited late one night by three of these younger seminarians who looked up to Thesiger as some of an older brother and role model. Taken off guard, Thesiger was frightened by what they had to relate. They began to describe how the college director had been forcing them into sexual situations and how they'd begun to wish they were dead, he recalled. Having a background in social work, Thesiger took the side of the seminarians and spoke to them as any counselor would about the empowerment of rape victims. My main instruction to them was that they had a right to say no. He also advised that none of them informed the director that they had spoken to him about the sexual abuse because it would mean vocational death to them all. <clears throat> Eventually, however, one of the young seminarians let the information slip. From that time on, my life became a living hell at the seminary, he recalled. Thesiger soon asked his diocese if he could transfer to another seminary. At first, they seemed happy enough to accommodate. However, when Thesiger received his final evaluation, it was terrible. 
I'd always received glowing evaluations in my prior reports, he explained. Thesiger figured that since the college director knew of his knowledge of sexual abuse of several seminarians, he had decided to sabotage Thesiger's vocation. The vocational death he had predicted some months before came to pass, at least for him. Charles Enderby, a former businessman from Ohio, was in his 30s when he began his novit... What is it? Novit... Novitiate? What is that? Uh, new guy? Some Catholic thing. For an East Coast religious order in the early 1990s. He was immediately struck by the outwardly homosexual mannerisms of some of the other novices. One of them, Joseph Mercado, had worked as a massage artist before entering religious life. He actually brought his massage table to the novitiate, Enderby recalled. While Mercado was only mildly open about his homosexuality, Franz Asher was militant. Enderby described Asher as a little man in his early 40s who had a highly inflected voice. He had a sense of humor, said Enderby, but consistently mocked church teaching on celibacy and particularly liked to mock Mother Angelica. One day he even said he wanted to make sundresses out of the altar linens. According to Enderby, Asher began almost at once to harass Jeffrey Raymond, whom Enderby regarded as the only novice other than himself who was definitely not part of the dominant gay subculture. Feeling threatened, Raymond confided in Enderby. He told him that Asher first was trying to convince him that he, Raymond, was a latent homosexual who just needed to accept being gay. With Enderby's assistance, Raymond, who was in his early 20s, brought a complaint of sexual harassment to their novice master, Father Sixtus. Huh? I wonder if he knows Big as Dickus. Although he acted concerned and sympathetic, said Enderby, the novice master took no action. Asher's harassing behavior continued, and a second complaint was made to Father Sixtus. This time the novice master appeared less sympathetic. He literally threw up his arms and asked his related Enderby what he was supposed to do if the vocations office kept sending him gays. When Raymond and I complained the third time, said Enderby, Father Sixtus threatened to kick us out. He was very angry with us, and we realized then that our novice master would do nothing to solve the problem of homosexual harassment. A few months later, on a cold night in March of 1994, Enderby recounted, Raymond and Asher were watching TV in a community room, and each had been drinking wine. After Raymond retired to bed that night, Asher entered Raymond's room uninvited, the doors had no locks, and sexually molested him. The next morning, Raymond, angry and dejected, told Enderby what had happened, and then informed him he was leaving religious life. After a few brief words with Father Sixtus, Raymond bought train tickets and left, never to return. Although Asher later attacked and raped another novice, said Enderby, he emerged again with impunity. Not only was he not asked to leave, he was promoted to the position of Dean of Novices, a position that hadn't even existed before that, said Enderby. The or in other words, he knew his positions. The Orthodox Seminarian is presented with another predicament in this regard. If there's anything deviant or immoral going on at the seminary, and he brings it to the attention of his superiors, he's likely risking expulsion. Many members of seminary faculties don't appreciate those who go to superiors with complaints, especially about sexual foibles. Reflecting on his experience at Mount Angel Seminary in Oregon, Father John Lewandowski remarked, Many of my fellow students reminded me of the three monkeys, one with his hands over his eyes, one with hands over his ears, and the other with hands over his mouth. The maxim, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, seems to be a standard survival tactic in the seminaries, yet that type of information doesn't exactly prepare a seminarian to be a bold preacher of the gospel. Nevertheless, that's the environment in which many priests are being formed today. Those are excerpts from Goodbye, Good Men, a brand new book by Michael S. Rose in the New York Post today. Going to go out and buy the book? Me? I sure am. <clears throat> okay. It's uh, 12 minutes after 10 at 560 WQM. Don't forget, log out at QM.com and start playing the Toyota Baseball Trivia Challenge. Weekly prizes include golf for four Chulas. The grand prize is a trip for two to New York over Labor Day weekend to see the Marlins and the Mets. So log on and start playing with it at WQAM.com. You know, mattress shopping is really stupid, at least the way most people do it. Because they waste a lot of gas, a lot of time, and a lot of uh, energy, too. <laughs> Why should you want to do that when you can just sit there on your lazy ass and make one easy phone call to our good friends at Dial-A-Mattress? 
1-800-MATTRESS. Easy to remember, easy to call. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. You'll be immediately, if not sooner, connected to a betting expert whose only job is to sell you the best-name mattress at an unbeatable price. They're not selling a lot of lamps tomorrow and sofas on uh, uh, Thursday. And take it from me, when you call Dial a Mattress, you'll be talking to people who really know their crap. they got all the top brands in the business, Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil. So do like I always do when the old mattress is lumpy and uh, giving your back all kinds of heck. Pick up the phone and call Dial a Mattress and get the best new mattress in the universe, like I said, at an unbeatable price. And don't forget, you pick the day and the two-hour window for your delivery when it's convenient for you. Any day, seven days a week. And you also get that 30-day unbeatable in-home comfort guarantee so you can test your mattress the only smart way by sleeping on it. So whatever you do, don't be stupid. Buy the uh, mattress the smart way by calling Dial a Mattress toll-free, 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web, if you like, at mattress. 1-800-GRILL-UP. The Hammer. The Hammer. Days at 3 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Neil Young. Eighteen at five sixty WQM. Happy Monday to you. 
What a great day, man. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. Going to be like uh, 26 today. What's that, 79 Fahrenheit? I guess. Last time I checked. What do you mean you guess? You better get with it, Mister. I know. You better uh, get your brain working a little bit. If you're going to be, if you're going to redeem yourself, you have to be the one that uh, solves this mystery that's going on in that building now. I'll be shaggy. Isn't it amazing how many uh, inquisitions have been going on there the last several weeks in that uh, QAM building? By the way, something. Yes. I uh, just talked to Troy from Balance for Life again. His driver swears the food was delivered, so he will uh, make new sacks and bring them on over right now. How do you like that, boys and girls? <laughs> The food was delivered and the sacks have disappeared. The logs disappeared. The mail. The mail disappeared. Somebody's been dicking around in the QAM building. And believe you me, if you think that Greg went nuts the last time with his inquisition, there is going to be an investigation going on right now that even Sherlock Holmes would be embarrassed by. It's going to be incredible is what it's going to be. So whoever's been dicking with all the stuff down there at QAM, you better watch it because you're going to get it. I say we kneel him up to a cross right there, right there, kitty corner, uh, Chuck Subcenter there, on the corner of Ivesbury Road and 441. We have a little chunk of lawn over here in front of the building. No, I, I, I'd like it right out there at the intersection would be good. <clears throat> Real heavy-duty crap going on. And here's a uh, suggestion for you, by the way. Don't fax me any more stories, any more pre-stories today. Oh, I only faxed you a couple out of the ten that I've just got. Well, don't fax me anymore because I got, I got enough pre-stories here. I got priests coming out my Rackham. ass, okay? I got enough stories here to, to, like, take me until seven weeks from Sukkot. By the way, before we get to that, and also the Ariana Huffington, which I can't stand her, but once in a while she writes something pretty interesting. Did the drug war claim another 3,056 casualties in 9-11, she writes, which I think I'm going to get to that in a second. But before that, our sugar hunger is out of control. This is in the Examiner, one of my very favorite tabloids. Guess how much we eat, and this is a good one for the beast. Guess how much sugar each American eats every year. It's an average number, of course. How many pounds? pounds? How many? I said 800 pounds. Now, see, now you're just being silly. Stupid. 212 pounds. The average American, see, we're not doing so bad. The average American eats 152 pounds of sugar a year. That's 30 more pounds than just 20 years ago. Now, see, the beast said, how much did you say, 201? 212. That was you before a balance for life. No, that was, I was more like 312. Food companies took out the fat, but then they replaced it with sugar. You'd be surprised at all the healthy products that are loaded with sugar. Everybody knows about soda and candy, but not a lot of folks realize many foods like yogurt and power bars, cereal sticks, gelatin cups, and puddings are loaded with carbohydrates, which convert to sugar in the body. So a lot of those sugar-free, like chocolates and a lot of those other so-called sugar-free products I've been trying to tell you for years are going to kill you because they're loaded with carbohydrates and convert immediately to sugar in the body. They're going to kill you, baby. I'm telling you that right now. Don't blame fat old when you croak. On your deathbed, because I warned you. By the way, how about some Nestle's turtle? Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Well, as long as you're going to croak anyway. And why are they making a bit? Oh, this this son of a bitch, this Richard. What is his name again? Also, his stepdaughter had the. Oh God, I like him. You like him? I think he's quirky. He is the most obnoxious human being on the face of the earth. He even makes Osama Yamama look like a good guy. That Richard Quest. Uh, this, uh, everything that's wrong with the Brits. He gives me the Schmitz, I'll tell you that right now. Richard Quest, who used to be on CNBC, the uh, European version. That's why I saw him first over there in Amsterdam. And now we get the great pleasure since he jumped ship, since CNN is picking up every loser that ever came down the pike. They got Richard Quest on there. Bop, 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 bop. Oh, man. You like him? 
I think he's a quirky, funny guy. Leslie family. Uh, Sir John Leslie, known as Jack. He was the one who gave the game away earlier uh, last week when he said he, he told it a bit. Get him out of here. Anyway, Arianna Huffington writes, The Phoenix Memo, the Rowley Letter, the Oklahoma Red Flag, all ele elements in this true and tragic story of fumbling feds that has more smoking guns than a Quentin Tarantino movie. So why did the FBI, whose job it is to find smoking guns, fail to see the smoking guns popping up all around it? In announcing his big reorganization plans, Director Robert Mueller seemed to consider the FBI's tragedy of errors a question of flawed management flowcharts, nothing that re a rejiggered PowerPoint presentation couldn't fix. But there was a much more fundamental problem plaguing the Bureau before 9-11, and it wasn't one of office politics but of office-wide priorities, namely the agency's crippling addiction to America's war on drugs. Isn't this exactly what I've been screaming? Yes, while Osama, Yamama bin Laden, and his al-Qaeda minions were diligently preparing for their murderous mission, the FBI was looking the other way with equal determination. More than twice as many FBI agents were assigned to fighting drugs, 2,500, than fighting terrorism, 1,151. And a far greater amount of the FBI's financial resources was dedicated to the war on drugs. And this pathological prioritization of the drug war extended well beyond the allocation of money and manpower. It was ingrained in the culture. Counter-terrorism units were treated like the Bureau's ugly stepchildren, looked down upon by FBI management because they weren't making the kind of high-profile arrest that spruce up a supervisor's resume and make the evening news. Let's face it, canvassing flight schools in search of suspicious students is nowhere near as sexy as one of those big drug busts with the bags of coke or bales of pot piled high for the cameras. It's now painfully clear that were terror warning signs aplenty, but they were disregarded by distracted FBI officials who had their eyes on a very different prize. In Phoenix, where the now infamous Ken Williams memo originated, counterterrorism agents complained bitterly about their efforts being given the lowest investigative priority by a supervisor who preferred glamorous drug-fighting investigations. Even though the anti-terrorist squad was understaffed, having been assigned only eight of the division's 200 agents, it had managed to infiltrate groups of suspected terrorists through the use of paid informants, including a man who was being trained to be a suicide bomber. They had also uncovered local men with ties to the World Trade Center bombing Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman into a virulently anti-American Muslim organization linked to Al-Qaeda. So what was their reward for all of this? Regular headbutting sessions with higher-ups who balked at having to allocate resources for information that didn't lead to immediate arrests. I'll bet doubloons to donuts that the Phoenix agents doling out cash to drug case snitches very rarely ran up against the same sort of resistance, what one veteran terrorism squad member described as micromanaging, constant indecision, and stonewalling. Meanwhile, across the country in Boston, Raid Hijazi, an admitted al-Qaeda member who had become an informant in exchange for avoiding jail, tried to warn FBI agents about Arab terrorists and sympathizers, particularly Nabil Amarab, a member of an al-Qaeda terrorist cell who was arrested in the wake of 9-11. But the FBI wasn't interested in Hijazi's terror leads. They only wanted to hear what he knew about heroin being smuggled into America from Afghanistan. And it wasn't just the FBI. This drug war uberalis mindset infected the entire law enforcement community starting at the top. I want to escalate the war on drugs, said Attorney General John Ascroft in his first interview after being nominated to the post. I want to renew it. I want to refresh it. And he was true to his word. Witness the $43 million the Bush administration gave to the Taliban just four months before September 11th, which we talked about a lot on this program, by the way. Sure, there was the small detail of harboring a guy named Bin Laden, but the Taliban had agreed to ban the production of opium poppies, and so the drug war was trumped the terror war once again. So this kind of thinking was, is this kind of thinking finally a thing of the past? Yes, I'm not so sure. Even after last week's highly touted reorganization, which included the reassignment of 400 narcotics agents to counterterrorism, there will still be 2,100 agents spending their invaluable time and energy fighting a fruitless drug war. 
This despite the fact that combating drugs didn't even make Director Mueller's uh, official top ten list of priorities. Which raises the question, if the drug war is suddenly lower on the FBI pecking order than combating white-collar crime, number seven, protecting civil rights, number five, and taking on public corruption at all levels, number four, with a bullet, then how come one out of six agents will be still working that beat? The numbers just don't add up. According to high-ranking FBI officials, Mueller originally intended to pull the plug on his agency's involvement in the drug war, shifting every one of his counter-narcotics uh, agents to counter-terrorism activities, but was talked out of it by drug war generals who can't admit defeat. Not only should the White House follow through on Mueller's instinct and choose the war on terror over the war against drugs, they should insist that the FBI hire new kinds of people to fight this new kind of war. Merely reassigning traditional FBI agents to fight terrorism isn't enough. Former Senator Gary Hart, who co-chaired the U.S. Commission on National Security, told me the new counter-terror team should be more like the Delta Force, not standard-issue agents in dark suits and ties, but young, imaginative 21st century investigators recruited from outside the Bureau. At the same time, we should make sure the administration doesn't just transfer the drug war and its attendant lavish funding from the FBI to the DEA, which will no doubt show up on a hill any day now looking for more money to take up the drug-fighting slack. As the soaring budget deficit reminds us, federal coffers are not a bottomless well. Everything comes with a price. Sadly, it's looking more and more like the price of the drug war may have included the 3,056 lives lost on 9-11. Excellent. 1027 at 560 WQAM. You've heard me talking about a big one. Everybody wants to have a big one, and you can have a big one, too, in just a few short months, a big paycheck. The demand for certified computer professionals is through the roof. It's skyrocketing. So pick up the phone and call our good friends at Fast Train, toll-free, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Summer classes are forming right now. If you call, you can be certified in a brand-new career before the summer is over. Fast Train offers Microsoft certified instructors, four convenient locations, including the brand-new campus in Kendall, job placement assistance, day and evening classes, too. And for people whose job was affected after 9-11, Fast Train's an operation paycheck training provider. Call Fast Train, even the call is free. They'll answer all your questions, 866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. They can have you certified and ready for a brand-new money-making career in as little as four months. So call them today and get yourself started on the road to making some cash. Call one 866 Want a lollipop, little boy? No. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're not the kind of bitch that I would desire. I've had my share of marginal bras, but you're more ugly than the Budweiser brawl. You said I'd drop my pants and gave it a flip, but I'd never show it to a skanky bush pig. Monica Lewinsky is more my taste. She looks like Linda Ronstadt with a smaller waist. Oh, one more thing before I go. What comes out of my ass looks just like your nose. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're not the kind of bitch that I would desire. <laughs> Hell no. Not my type. Too thin. And somebody faxes me a list of uh, number one hit, uh, best uh, one hit wonders. You got that right? I got it right here. And that was on there, the original Liar. Oh, that's right. You already saw that. By the Castaways. This is a pretty good list. Time Will Let Me by the Outsiders, Dirty Water by the Standells, Earth Angel by the Penguins, Girl Watcher by the Occasions, Green Eyed Lady by Sugar <laughs> Loaf, Double Shot of My Baby's Love, Swing of Medallions. Great song. Outstanding. Remember that? Yep. Deep Purple, No Temple on April Stevens, Liar Liar, My Bella Me by the uh, T-Set. Oh, we have may that. Find... What? We have that in here somewhere. Well, don't, don't uh, knock yourself out. 
Sorry, I ran all the way home by the Impalas. More today than yesterday by the Sparrow Staircase. Little Star by the Elegance. Oh! Oh! And a little bit of soap by the Jarmels. Outstanding list. Thank you. 27 to 11 at 560 WQM, your Inquisition station for the uh, new century. <clears throat> Where the uh, crap just keeps uh, going on. It just, I don't want to go into it. But it does make me feel very glad that I'm not there. To see the fallout from what happens every weekend. I mean, this this weekend was extreme. You know what's going on <clears throat> at QAM. But every weekend's a nightmare. Speaking of what South Florida is all about, here's the epitome of it. This story from the Scum Sentinel. Pines condo turns adults only, then targets couple with new baby. Pembroke Pines, where I used to live and where George also used to live. Maybe if the beast is lucky enough, someday he'll live in Pembroke Pines. Maybe. Yeah, when he gets to be about 85, maybe he can live in Cemetery Village out there in Pembroke Lakes. So, uh, uh, take that, take the tea set to the tea room and flush it right down the turlet, okay? Hate that song. Look what else we got here. Green-eyed lady. You just said sugar loaf. I think that's what we're bringing, uh, what Troy's bringing for lunch, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, we got a loaf for you, Troy. Okay, we're working on a big one right now. Now, see, don't be blaming Troy. He has to take all the heat for that. Although, I'll tell you one thing. Nobody stole the food from my doorstep that he did not deliver last Friday night. He said Troy Strafford said to him that that you'd be here Monday. I I don't want to go back into it, okay? I don't want to go back into the whole thing. He's very upset over the whole thing. Well, he he should be, and I was upset, too, because I expected my goddamn food. And look at all the crap I ate all over the weekend while I was there. I ate like a goddamn pig. And if I would have had my black sack... <clears throat> it, might have added, it might have added minutes to my life. Troy, I blame you. Personal. Songwriter George Whiting wasn't living in South Florida condominiums when he wrote My Blue Heaven. Oh, there's another one of my favorites, Fats Domino, but not a one-hit wonder. My Blue Heaven, a 1923 love, love song that says, And Baby Makes Three. Had he been here, he would have had a right, And Baby Makes Zero. Just ask Daniel Cruz, 27, and Elizabeth Cruz, 24, condo owners at the sprawling Hollybrook Golf and Tennis Club. They bought their unit for forty nine five in nineteen ninety eight when they were newlyweds. <clears throat> they loved the amenities and the fact that their mothers lived in the complex. It meant that when the time came there would be two nearby babysitters. <coughs> Just a little leftover phlegm from last week. Though Hollybrook was known as a haven for active retirees, active retirees <laughs> it had no age restrictions. As original owners died, their heirs sought to unload the apartments at low prices, which lured younger couples. Two years later, on February 4th, 2000, the complex voted to become an adults-only community. Current residents were grandfathered in, but babies were not. Babies were not. Six weeks ago, Elizabeth Cruz gave birth to Megan, their first child. Now the association that runs the 1902 apartment complex is telling them that either the baby must go or they must go. What would your choice be? I'd leave. How about flushing the kid down the toilet? Well, why sell an apartment to a young couple that just got married, put them through credit and background checks, and expect them not to have babies, Daniel Cruz said. That's what young couples do. That's right. They screw their brains out, and they make babies, <clears throat> sometimes even when they don't want one. Last week, the Cruises received a letter from the association telling them that they were in violation of the rules because a child under 18 was living with them. <clears throat> Allowing the child to remain, the letter said, compromises Hollybrook status as an over-55 community. Federal law requires at least 80% of the units in a complex to have at least one resident over 55 to be considered adult only. 
I got to read that again. Federal law requires at least 80% of the units in a complex to have at least one resident over 55 to be considered adult only. Do you follow that? Okay, I guess that's the rule. We'll give them 60 or 90 days to find a place to live. Association President Carl Schechter said, if they don't, we'll turn it over our attorneys to get a court order. I remember stories like this years and years ago. When I was on W. Snooze 20-some years ago, I remember grotesque, right. horrible stories like this, and it's still going on. The Cruz's attorney, Leonardo Renault, said he might try to fight the order, although he'd prefer to resolve the situation amicably. They are owners, not renters. It's callous, he said. Their daughter is just born, and they're telling them to move. In fact, I remember the one story where some people had a pet monkey, and the, the association said the monkey was okay, but people had a baby, and they had made them move out. That's how, a true story. How old was the monkey? Old enough to know better. Oh, maybe the monkey might have been a senior citizen. I forgot. That's right. But the board's attorney, Gary Polyakoff of Fort Lauderdale, said a January 3rd ruling by the Florida Supreme Court makes it unlikely the Cruises could win in court. The unanimous landmark ruling upheld the right of condo associations to change the rules, even if they have a negative impact on some owners. A rule change doesn't harm anyone's rights, the court said, because condo owners are aware that rules can be changed. Yeah, right. Well, what, what kind of a stupid reasoning is that? What about if the condo says, you, if you're under 90, they're going to kick your ass out? The Supreme Court has said that when the covenants are amended properly, it's binding on all owners, even those who bought with the expectation of having children, Polyakov said. Although the cruises dispute the legality of the vote that resulted in the age restriction, Schechter said everything was proper. 83% of the people voted in favor of banning everyone under 55, and everyone had the opportunity to vote, he said. If you have a child before the effective date, the child is grandfathered in, Schechter said. Any child coming in later, by birth or any other reason, cannot live here permanently, period. The cruises call the station, the situation, and the station ridiculous. Both grandmas live here. There are sitters, so the baby will be here anyway, said Daniel, a file clerk for a law firm who hopes to get his bachelor's degree in information technology in October. This was our little paradise because it was affordable, has everything we want. And look at the beautiful view of the lake and golf course, said Elizabeth Cruz, a student at a local fire college and a unit coordinator at Pembroke Pines Hospital. Did you know we had a fire college? No, I did not. Well, now you do. Elizabeth said she'd been told several times by doctors that she couldn't get pregnant. That Megan is my little miracle. The couple's looking for another home while I try to sell theirs in case they lose. We put it on the market two weeks ago. Already we had nine calls, Daniel said. But everyone's under 55 and everybody's got kids. Well, guess what? They're out. Elizabeth took three months of unpaid maternity leave, but she's going back to work six weeks early because they'll need the money to move. Schechter said the condo association's got no choice but to force the family out. We're not commandos. We're not doing anything to try to hurt them. We're just enforcing the rules approved by owners, he said. If we make one exception, we'll have to do it for all. You are commandos, you asshole. You're a commando and you're a freaking asshole. How do you like that, you disgusting old fart? Boy! <clears throat> I hope you get bleeding hemorrhoids, okay? Jackass. I hate condos. I hate the P.I. I had the whole thing. How's mom doing, by the way? 20 before 11 at 560. Oh, wait a minute. As David was just discussing of using one of those radioactive disbursement de devices, a dirty bomb. These senior officials saying they have no evidence that those radioactive materials... Yeah, this guy that they just nabbed, Ascroft made a big deal of it. They just nabbed a guy who was, like, uh, planning on doing a dirty bomb deal. We got one. Let's hear it. Oh! Finally made an arrest. Now let's get back to the war on drugs. You know, summertime's here, man. Now, what's it like down there today? Is it the Hot rain? And Hot. It's gonna Rain and thunderstorms, warm Hot, and all that. suffocating, humid, unacceptable. Well, oleomed's a product that will make you feel your best and keep you in good health, even in uh, Hades, even in South Florida, in paradise. 
Oleomed is a soft gel capsule that contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for all different parts of your body and your system and your thing. They've got one that helps your prostate, one for your heart, one for your blood pressure, and one for your cholesterol. Oleomed's also got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil the best that money can buy. And Oleomed's got products to help both men and women, too. It's available all over town because more and more people are starting to pop it in their puss. So pick some up today at Walgreens, at Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy, or Sedano's. And you can call this number to get more information on their products, how they work, and what they do, and where you stick them. Call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED. Or order their products off their website. It's easy. Just uh, log on to locations. The Joe and Mark Show. Overnights on Sports Boy. Radio 560. QAM. Another dick in the White House? This fall on Fox. Weakest links out of here. So now you can catch Ann Robinson on a whole new game show. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. From the producer of Celebrity Boxing and the director of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's Who Wants to Beat the Crap Out of Ann Robinson. Oh, no. Not the face. Who Wants to Beat the Crap Out of Ann Robinson. I am black and blue. Goodbye. Good. 1045 at 560. I hope she winds up like Mike Tyson. 207 votes on a survey. Speaking of dumb. Speaking of stupid things like that, we asked, uh, how do you rate the job that President Bush and his administration be doing? 94 out of 207, that's 45.5%, said he's a bozo and a disaster. 42 said excellent. 41 said okay. Okay. 18 said fair, and 12 said poor. So not too good in this crowd anyway. Well, the Bushies, they're all over there with, uh, what's his name, with Bill O'Reilly and with Fat-Ass Limbaugh and with Norma Kent. Don't forget the Norma Kent show, it's almost over today. Did you take a look at this before you fact? This is just from 1970. No, I looked at it. The one-hit wonder thing? I, I think I've uh, bitten off a little more than I can chew like here. I you know said, what I'm saying? 500 entries we're going to have. 5,000. This can go on for the next, like, four and a half years. Oh! Seems like to me. The five stair steps, ooh, child. Pipkins, give me that ding. I don't, I don't know from that. Do you know give me that ding? Nope. Wadsworth Mansion and Sweet Mary? I don't know that either. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, already got that. Jaggers and the Rapper. Shocking Blue and Venus. Marmalade, Reflections of My Life. Outstanding Edison Lighthouse. I got Mountain, Mississippi Queen. Wow. There you go. How about some marmalade on, on the beast's head? And it's freshly shaved, too. It ought yeah, to go on real easy. What, the marmalade or the head? Does he wax it? I think he oils it. I'm au natural, baby. Don't step on it. Mountain, Mississippi Queen. Mungo Jerry, I already told you I hate that. Frigid Pink, House of the Rising Sun. That'll teach them to rip off the uh, animals. Frigid Pink with a J. White Plains, My Baby Loves Lovin'. Boy, that was a great song. Remember that? Of course. Lynn Anderson and Rose Garden. <laughs> hate that. Hey, can't stand country music. Uh, tighter and Tighter by Live and Kickin'. Indiana Wants Me by R. Dean Taylor. Oh, hey. that could be the one. Don't you love that? Mm-hmm. With the sirens going in the background. Sounds like, uh, you know, like something we ought to be playing at QAM. With the big in investigation that's going on right now. The Inquisition. It's enough to uh, get me to play that bit again. As the Years Go By by Mash McCon. I don't know what that is. Do you know that song? Nope. Mash McCon. Never heard of it. <clears throat> Bobby Bloom, Montego Bay. Terrible. Yeah, I hate that. that. Yeah, I, know, I don't want to hear it. Don't play that. Not if you value your job. Free and all right now. And the T set, Ma, Ma Bellamy. 
Oh, what am I, what am I doing that? I'm just tearing this up. Oh, Put it no. on with your list. That's Eric, right, I saved it. Eric suggested OneHitWondersCentral.com. Oh, that, that's the website? OneHitWondersCentral.com. I have one no one said yet. Yes? An all-time favorite. From a great Stone, great stone Ponies. Close. Um... Uh, uh. Yeah. When's it start already? <laughs> Very good. Oh, I, I know the song. I can't think I of the name of it. Once in Soldier by Coven. Once in Soldier by Coven. Oh, yeah. Or Coven. 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 Or is it Coven? Yeah. I actually oh, saw that back. in the book. It's funny you should find that because it must be a mental thing because I saw that in the book before and I forgot to mention that. One Tin Soldier by Coven. Very annoying song. And they <laughs> yeah. did sound like the Stone Ponies. Now, didn't uh, different drum wasn't that the song by the Stone Ponies? Yes, Linda Ronstadt. More than two thirds of an estimated fifty thousand respondents support the use of medical marijuana. I say this thing that somebody sent me about medical marijuana. We don't care about that. We don't give a crap. I mean, not that we don't care about it, but the, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that the, this war on drugs <coughs> is killing us. Crazy. It's insanity. Speaking of killing us, U.S.-based Al-Qaeda agents may attempt to hit the subways of New York and other cities with a lethal nerve gas by Independence Day, a federal source in Washington told the New York Post yesterday. State and local law officials around the country were warned by the feds about the possibility of a new of a subway attack allegedly intended to bring America to its knees on Independence Day, said a new report by Philadelphia TV station KYW, which obtained the internal warning. NYPD sources said they were warned two weeks ago about the potential of an attack by July 4th, but city cops have been on guard for a subway attack ever since 9-11 when the NYPD and the Transit Authority beefed up patrols and tightened security at major subway stops where terrorists could do the most damage. The Transit Authority could not be reached for comment. From New York Post. Tom Jicka writes, I bet you're shocked that I'm reading a Tom Jicka thing that's not about radio. Of course, he never writes about radio very, very seldom. Hey, that's that's a good idea during the summer holidays. Let's all chip in and uh, buy a radio for Tom Jicka. What do you say? Anybody want to donate? No. We can get the same people that donated to buy Moa Howard as a birthday gift. Yeah, there was a memo circulating around last week for everybody to chip in, buy Moa Howard a birthday gift. Anybody uh, cough up any cash? No, I did, they, actually. And did they, what did they get him? We got him a gift certificate for a Tommy Bahama shirt. Me and Doreen pitched in. Oh, you and Doreen. Yeah. Two fat people. Will Chamberlain rate me. ABC's Bachelor brings cattle call to South Florida. Would you like to choose a potential mate from a harem of 25 women or be one of the women? Opportunity beckons, writes little Tommy. In yesterday's Sun Sentinel, the Bachelor will conduct casting calls for would-be bachelors and bachelorettes from 6 to 9 p.m. today at the Miami Beach Club level, 1235 Washington Avenue, and from 5 to 8 p.m. tomorrow at Sawgrass Ford out there by me, 14501 Sunrise Boulevard. You know where that is, don't you? What? <clears throat> right by I-75. You know, right out there by the uh, sure. by the end of uh, uh, sunrise. The second edition of the ABC program will be filmed this summer, probably in L.A. for airing in the fall. Candidates must be between 21 and 35, and of course single. Those who have been previously married are eligible, but only if they have no children, like at that condo place. Dress is optional, however, being dressed is required, as crash as the bachelor might be. The auditions are public events. Anyone who wants to supply a picture presenting himself or herself in the most flattering light is welcome to do so. There will be photographers on hand for those who wish to have a new photo taken to be considered by the show's casting directors. 
Candidates will be asked to fill out a questionnaire with pertinent details about themselves. They'll also be asked other questions, such as why they'd want to meet a potential mate on The Bachelor, and to list three adjectives that best describe themselves. The application can be previewed on ABC's website, abc.com. Fort Lauderdale and Miami are among seven areas across the U.S. in which the first stage of the auditions will take place, according to a representative of the show. That's tonight, 6 to 9, at the Miami Beach Club level, 1235 Washington Avenue, and 5 to 8 p.m. tomorrow at Sawgrass Ford, 14501 Sunrise Boulevard. And good luck to you, because I've seen some of you, and most of you will need it. Vow of never again, but Murphy regards sexual revolution as factor in the abuses. Newsday. At a special service of healing and forgiveness yesterday, the leader of Long Island Catholic said there were no excuses or justifications for sexual abuse by a priest, but that the so-called American sexual revolution with all its permissiveness has certainly been a factor. As he stood on the altar of St. Agnes Cathedral in Rockville Center, Bishop William Murphy vowed never again the criminal betrayal of trust and the destruction of innocence of a child. However, he emphasized that the sinfulness of the human condition can at times overwhelm the best efforts and the total commitment of even all of us striving together. Similar masses, which included special prayers, songs, and petitions, were held yesterday throughout the diocese for victims of sex abuse in their families, with more than half of Long Island's population identifying themselves as Catholic, Rockville Center is the nation's sixth largest diocese. Recalling how Catholics responded to terrorist attacks of 9-11, Murphy said, Now we face another affliction, a tragedy of huge proportions that has struck at the heart of the church and her life. He said the church needs to honestly face the problem, correct what is wrong, and through penance, pardon, and forgiveness, restore the church to its true purpose making money. Only half the cathedral was filled for the 10.30 a.m. Mass, which was televised live on the diocese cable channel. Celebrating the Mass with Murphy was Monsignor Robert Brennan, the new vicar general of the diocese. During his homily, Murphy repeatedly said only a few priests were involved in abuse, just like Wolf Blitzer said on CNN yesterday, I wanted to puke. What a suckhole you are, Wolf. You're a piece of crap. While saying there would be no excuses and no justifications for it, Murphy said he's sought to explain how the church got itself into this state. The sinful condition of humanity is certainly at the base of this tragedy. More than three decades of the so-called American sexual revolution, with all its permissiveness, has certainly been a factor. A false sense of freedom and unhealthy and sinful desire for self-gratification are all part of the problem, he said. At the end of the surface, as Murphy greeted parishioners outside the cathedral, most wished him well and said they would pray for him. However, one tall middle-aged woman, her face taut with anger, confronted him. Your timing was off, she said. Both my brothers were molested by priests before the sexual revolution, the woman told Murphy before walking off. She declined to identify herself in an interview afterward, but said she had traveled from another parish specifically to hear Murphy. His talk was watered down. It was mostly excuses, she said. What did the sexual revolution have to do with it? People didn't go around molesting boys because of the sexual revolution. Other parishioners offered little reaction to Murphy's mention of the sexual revolution and said he hit the right tone with his address, which was applauded, usually after unusual after homily at its conclusion. They liked his tone. This is exactly what we needed, asking for forgiveness from uh, victims and victims' families to say there will be no more tolerance of this, said Nassau District Attorney Dennis Dillon, who regularly attends the 10.30 a.m. Mass. Dillon, whose office is investigating how the diocese handled abuse complaints, praised Murphy, saying he made significant changes. He's been a positive influence during the crisis. It's about time to acknowledge all the rumors and go to the pulpit and ask for God's help. They need help, said Emmett McGrain, a church usher. He and his wife, Loretta, left the service. How do you like that? Oh, I see, as they left. I thought maybe they like walked out. I guess not. So there you go. More covering up, like the dog in the backyard trying to cover up its tracks. Ugh. 
1056 at 560 WQM. Don't forget to log on to QM and start playing the Toyota Baseball Trivia Challenge. Weekly prizes include golf for Ford Chulas, grand prize a trip for two to New York over Labor Day weekend to see the Marlins play the Mets. So log on and start playing with it at WQM.com. And don't forget Joe Rose for the Mad Dog, 1 to 3 this afternoon. Aren't you excited about that? Very much so. Yeah. I hear that Joe wants to get back into a radio full time. I keep hearing hey, that all, too. All you fat people, yeah, you're the one spreading the rumors what I'm hearing. <laughs> All you fat people out there, here's a store where you can shop and buy all kinds of great stuff and not worry about uh, staying fat. And that's Delights of West Boca. And now with Splenda coming out, a lot of these diet products have uh, dropped those sweeteners that were harsh on your stomach before, made you sit on the magic throne all day long. That's right. Now you can pick up all kinds of goodies that are uh, almost no carbs and don't uh, affect your stomach. Delights of West Boca carries thousands of diet products, supplements, vitamins, diet books, everything you need to lose the pounds you thought were so hard to get rid of. Delights also carries the biggest selection of bakery products like pancake mix, breads, cookies, cheesecakes, brownies, muffins, and eclairs. And Delights also, oh, eclairs sounds good, you know mm. I know a place here where they got some real good eclairs. And Delights also carries low-carbon, sugar-free products like pasta, sauces, ketchup, crackers, candy, and champion light, chocolate, and their famous Carmelite ice cream, too. Head to the Lights of West Boca, and don't forget, you can try before you buy. That is correct. Taste anything in the store for free before you be buying it. The knowledgeable staff at Delights will put you on the right path to losing that weight. Call 1-877-LOW-CARB or check them out on the web at lowcarb.com. Or better yet, give them a visit. Hop in a car and head over to the store at northeast corner of Glades and 441 in Boca. And be sure and tell them that P.D. Lenny sent you by to the Lights of West Boca. Steakhouse. No rules. Just right. The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Jim Mandich, I am a pussy. Hey, do ma do 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 Stupid. WQM. So anyway, this scumbag, I mean, this uh, suspect that they arrested, guess what name? Well, it all depends on which name you want to believe, either his uh, Arabic name, his Islamic name, or the name he was using here, Jose Padilla. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, Jose Padilla with two L's, baby. Boy. And he was uh, apprehended. He was flying from Pakistan to D.C. And guess who turned him in? His brother? Abu Zubeda. Really? Yeah, we're finally starting right. to get some useful information. Let's hear it. Good old Abu Zubaydah. Always liked him, okay? Because oh. that's one of the few we can pronounce the name. And this is an asshole who was, like, uh, working on putting together a suitcase bomb, a radioactive bomb in a suitcase, and that he was going to unleash on Washington, D.C. I like it when they call it a dirty bomb. Yeah, a dirty bomb, a radiological bomb, a suitcase, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, he doesn't have all the same legal rights. He does have the rights of a, of a, of a prisoner of war. Yeah, well, let's fry his ass anyway, okay? Rights. Just fry his ass. Give him a quick trial. Uh, oh, you're going to like this. Oh, in fact, where the hell oh, is the rest of the story? We Wait should minute, probably like... mention yes? that Troy showed up with our food. Why should we mention that? Because it's good and it's great and it's here and now we're all happy here. Oh, thanks, Troy. Get out of there. Is he there? No, he uh, came and left, but uh, swore to God up and down and sideways that the food was delivered. Oh, I believe him. I believe him because there are too many things missing there at QM. If he tuned in late, we have an inquisition going on now to try to understand and figure out. And put together the pieces of the puzzle. How come the program logs all disappeared and everybody's mail was all stolen over the weekend? And and the black sacks for George and the Beast disappeared. So there's a major inquisition going on right now, making the most recent inquisition, the Moa Howard Inquisition, pale into insignificance. Speaking of inquisitions, if I can get to this story eventually from Newsday. Citizens armed with shotguns will patrol the streets of the heavily Jewish Brooklyn neighborhoods because of comments a suspected terrorist made about targeting them, a rabbi said. Jews with guns, baby. The patrols to begin June 16th are in response to comments Abdul Rahman Yassin made during an interview on CBS 60 Minutes June the 2th, said Rabbi Yaakov Lloyd, founder and president of the right-wing Jewish Defense Group. Yasin, who was sought by the FBI in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, said in an interview from a compound in Iraq that he and his accomplices originally targeted heavily Jewish neighborhoods in Brooklyn. Oi! They later decided to attack the Twin Towers because they believed most of their occupants were Jewish, Yasin said. Six people were killed and more than a thousand injured in the night. This is the 93 bombing we're talking about. The largest segment of the population in the Borough Park and southern Flatbush neighborhoods is Hasidic and Orthodox Jews. There are 290 synagogues in the area. Hasidic. Just bite your tongue. I'm trying to. Lloyd said the street patrols will include 50 to 200 people of various religious faiths, mainly Jews, carrying shotguns in bags, along with people licensed to own and carry other types of firearms. Others will carry bats, pipes, cell phones, and walkie-talkies, and will patrol the streets daily from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., except Friday, of course, the Jewish Sabbath. Of course. And certainly not on Yom Kippur. This will be a very effective deterrent against terrorism directed at American Jews and other targets, Lloyd said. The rabbi criticized the police department for not adequately protecting the neighborhoods and said, the only people who will view us as vigilantes already look at us that way anyway. It is illegal to carry an exposed shotgun on city streets, New York Police Department spokeswoman Valerie St. Rose said. She said it was unclear whether carrying one in a bag is illegal. Maybe they can do that in Sunrise. They can carry a piece in their bag. So what? I think they may already have a piece of that in there. We'll monitor the patrols. If there needs to be police action taken, it'll be taken, said St. Rose, who declined to say how many officers routinely patrol the neighborhoods. A community leader from Williamsburg, another heavily Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn, said he opposes the armed patrols. The Jewish community condemns such a thing. We don't need it. We can't have civilians running around with guns. It's going to look like Beirut here, said Isaac Abraham. What a great name that is, huh? Isaac Abraham. 
The Jewish Defense Group is a group of men and women who are proud to be Jews and committed to defending, demonstrating, and rallying for Jewish causes and against anti-Semitism, according to its website. The JDG, founded by Lloyd in Queens in 1985, says it follows the principles of the late Rabbi Meir Kahani, founder of the JDL. Oy. In January, JDL chairman Irv Rubin and a group member were charged with conspiring to blow up a mosque and the office of an Arab-American congressman in California. Rubin and his co-defendant, Earl Krugel, pleaded innocent and scheduled to go on trial October 1. That's Earl, no relation to Potato Krugel? Although you do like Potato Krugel, don't you? Of Haven't course. you had that? Yes. We love potato cookle on this show. I'll tell you that right now. And home and Tashin. So let me ask you now, aren't you glad you didn't go ordering a bunch of fattening food that Troy came by with your sack? I knew he'd come through. <clears throat> I knew he damn well better come through, I'll tell you that. Guess who writes a paper? Boss, you're like the New York Post, even though it's Rupert Murdoch. It's interesting to me, my two favorite papers are the Toronto Sun and the New York Post, and they're both politically very right-wing. But they're both great papers. Isn't that interesting? Huh. I guess not. Well, I, I don't care about a newspaper's politics. If I want to read uh, opinions, I'll uh, listen to my own. How do you like well, that? Rupert Murdoch is a funny character because... He's an uh, asshole. Yeah, but he puts on good programming. He puts on good, very ultra-liberal, cutting-edge programming, and his politics are all ultra-right. Oh, I do notice, like I said a couple weeks ago, Fox uh, News has uh, moderated quite a bit. And as long as you view it, like I said, as a bunch of cartoon characters and you don't take it too seriously, at least it's entertaining. It's sure a lot more entertaining than CNN. Oh, CNN just absolutely blows. And to see Wolf Blitzkrieg on her yesterday with a story on the priest, and he is his panel, including that William Bennett. William Bennett is their, like their house moralist on there, tub of crap. And at the uh, clo closing toward the end of the piece, uh, Wolf Blitzkrieg says, well, of course, we want to make sure we emphasize it's only a very, very tiny, tiny, just a handful of priests, and the overwhelming majority of them are good, upstanding. Yeah, right, you should live so long, you idiot, you, you pandering suckhole. God, do I hate CNN. In fact, I'm going to go in the other room and watch MSNBC right now. You know, if I had more time left uh, doing the show from Toronto this year, and for next year, what I'm going to do is I'll get the digital cable in all the rooms here. Because I don't, I don't have MSNBC on the. This is just the regular cable. Okay. That's that's the only reason I watch CNN is because I don't have a Fox News or MSNBC in here. So we got this crap. Large area. So it is not a nuclear explosion. Good. Thank God for that. Guess who writes this thing that I'm going to read? Uh, read Mark Furman, one of our favorite people. Skakel family dumped Michael, he writes in the New York Post yesterday. Michael Skakel's family and their lawyers abandoned him. They threw him away. They didn't have compassion or love for the convicted killer of Martha Moxley. He was just someone who could tarnish the family name. They victimized Michael, and in doing so, they created the most, most of the evidence that convicted him. On the day Martha Moxley's body was found, Ethel Kennedy was overheard saying, This can't touch the Kennedys. That says it all right there. They don't care about the child. They want to cover it up because it's just another dirty little secret they'd rather hide. Kind of like the Catholic Church. And last time I checked, aren't they... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> First, Michael was sent away to the Elon Treatment Center in Maine. Then the family told people at Elon to confront Michael about Martha's murder. That was incredibly self-serving. What they were trying to do is find out how much he remembered and what he would say. And this is not his father, Rushton Sr. This is attorney's. Because Michael was confronted about Martha's murder, other kids at Elon knew about it, which encouraged Michael to talk about it. He talked about it with his roommates when things were quiet. He talked about it with friends. Then pathologist Henry Lee started making overtures about whether there was any DNA in the Moxley case. Again, the Skakel family responded with, We can't have anything touch the family. So they hired the investigative firm Sutton Associates. They didn't do this to help Michael. They did this to make excuses for evidence that Henry Lee might find. 
They had Michael change his story from, I came home at 11.20 and went to sleep and woke up at 9 the next morning, to a most incredible story. They actually had Michael go back out into the community, peep in Martha's window, climb a tree, yell out Martha's name, feel something evil in the darkness. He went to all places where Martha was beaten, killed, or hidden. Very, very crafty attorney stuff. But it backfired. They shot themselves in the foot. Now we have Michael Skakel putting himself at the crime scene at every place that Martha was struck, murdered, or hidden. Without a doubt, Michael Skakel and the Skakel family convicted the Kennedy cousin. The state did not convict him. Michael Skakel was supposed to be somebody's son, and instead his family abandoned him because of his name, because they wanted to protect it, and now all the people who actually caused the cover-up are free. Someone should go after the parents, the attorneys, and the neighbors. These people actually ruined this man's life. Had he confessed, he probably would have gotten two years in a secure hospital facility. He might have gotten help. He might have done something with his life. How do you like that, writes Mark Furman in today, yesterday's New York Post. Screw him anyway. Not Furman. Skakel. Oh, oh, I agree. But the point he makes about the Kennedy cover-up, that's the most important thing. Same old tired crap. <clears throat> Very sad. Speaking of politics, 262 votes on our poll. About El Presidente, how do you rate President Bush and his administration so far? How do you like the job they're doing, huh? 262 votes. 116 say he's a bozo and a disaster. That's 44.2% of this very perspicacious audience, if I say so myself. 53 say he's doing an excellent job. 50 say... Okay. Okay. 27 said fair and 16 said poor. So if you take the city, you got like 50% who say he's doing like a crappy job. And then you got the, the other 50% who say, now how can that be? Oh, I see fear. We're counting fear in there. Well, whatever. Hey, I got a nice fax there from my close friend Bob Eisenberg. He said, by the way, my wig still looks like a dead muskrat. That's what it said right at the bottom of the fax. But he said, thank goodness it's not the worst looking hairpiece in the building now anymore. Tom Lehman's at it again, baby. My good, close, personal friend Tom Lehman, who loves me, loves the show, loves George, and loves the beast. How do you like that, huh? In fact, I think Tom Lehman intervened on your behalf, George. Thank you, Tom. It's Hallett's 2002 Neil Rogers Neal Deal Blowout Sale. When in doubt, blow it out. That's what I always say. Stop by Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's on US 1 across from the falls. Right now, where the lowest sale price is marked on the invoice on all 2002 cars and trucks in stock, choose from 1.9% financing or get you up to a $3,500 rebate if you like. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including... The Envoy was voted by Motor Trend as the SUV of the year. It's pretty nifty. Plus, see the all-new Vibe SUV. As we've been telling you, it's got the power of a sports car at a much lower price. Hallett's also got an unbeatable selection of dependable, that's the operative word, dependable, pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you've been here in town for credit at some scumbag car dealer because you're not good enough for them, you're good enough for Hallett. They'll work you a deal. Don't forget, going on right now, it's the 2002 Neil Rogers Neil Deal blowout sale going on at Hallett Pontiac GMC. 13401 South Dixie Highway on US 1 across from the falls, the same great location. They've been treating people right and making great deals for over 35 years. Open every day of your life, seven days a week. For more info, call the Neil Rogers Neil Deal Hotline. <laughs> he just wants me to keep saying that. The Neil Rogers Neil Deal Hotline at 1-888-534-4211. That's 1-888-534-4211. I'm going to get you, Tom. Hallett Pontiac GMC. We Greg hates you. Oh, hello, Neil. It's Greg. Do forgive me for being so forward in allowing myself to call you, but I do. And he slashed the tires on my Cadillac. No, it's true. It's true. All true. Reading Inquisition. 
and fire George. I want to pitch him out the door. I want to kick him with my Gucci shoes. We're in position for a cell. So I'm dismissing personnel, but need permission from that fat gay Jew. Oh, I confess, I find sex talk boring. Sports talk, I like bets. Red like sport holds bets. Sports jobs, I'm adoring. I dream of Ricky Williams in a dress. Read Inquisition, thrives on hate, unless you're sniffing, sport will taint the best position, when sport will spread their legs, right. and the sweaty chucks what's on, but, hey Greg, how was George's show today? He talked about women like he does every day. Talked about women? What are they? Well, they're not as exciting as sport hole fame. Stupid. Read Inquisition, sport assholes. We're licking, kissing, most brown holes. Can't get permission to make George go away. So I step my feet in Gucci shoes. They make the bags that they refuse. At least let me suspend him for a Eleven nineteen. I'll tell you one thing. Whoever's going to be responsible for this thing, they're checking the videotape right now, boys and girls. They're going through the monitors and the videotapes from over the weekend to see who diddled with the logs and who diddled with our uh, black uh, sacks. That should that should be a piece of cake finding out who took the black sacks, shouldn't it? Yeah, there's cameras right out there. Yeah, because there are cameras right out there in the lobby. So evidently, whoever took this stuff uh, was either so stupid not to realize that they were being uh, photographed as they took it, or uh, didn't care. Or we'll find that they were never delivered in the first place. No. Okay. No, I, I don't believe that. Why? Now, no, start... I don't believe that either. I'm just being a uh, craphead. Yeah, you are. You know, they, they delivered special, which you don't even need that goddamn stuff. You're not fat, and they deliver you that every goddamn day. And instead of being, I, you know, I think Mo's got a good point about you. I think you are. Stupid. Jesus Christ. I'm just busting Troy's You talk. ought to we be sucking Troy's time. ass, man, right now. You ought to have his your tongue all the way up, all the way to his colon. It is. Okay? I have an extra tongue that I just keep in there. Yeah. I'm serious. I mean, they treat you pretty damn good there at Balance they for Life. They do. I just get well, lunch, who the hell are you? lunch and a couple snacks. I'm the guy. Yeah, no, you're not the guy. You're just again, uh, you're, you're a Klingon. You're just again clinging on to my uh, name and to my yeah. uh, existence. You weren't here when they first uh, came on, and so for two weeks I did the thing. Yeah, and, and they just got in the habit of bringing you the free it. food. But you know that could be cut off real easy if you don't watch your P's and Q's. I'll tell you that right now. That could be stopped immediately, if not sooner. See how quiet it got all of a sudden? Will Chamberlain rate me? Well, we'll talk about that tomorrow, at a later date. But what I was starting to say before you came up with that ridiculous uh, suggestion that they never even delivered, well, we will find that out. Because the cameras will show if it was ever sitting there. They're always sitting right on that uh, desk right. where Goofball sits, where Carlos, freaky Carlos sits. In fact, maybe, you know something, maybe the black sacks got up and crawled away because they didn't want to be there where Carlos was. They want to make sure that they got out of there before he came in. Maybe they crawled right across the floor, got on the elevator, and uh, hightailed it out of there. They grew you, some legs. Before it came in there. Maybe they grew up here. I don't think Carlos will, but 
So anyway, the investigation goes on, a tremendous inquisition at QM, where we just can't keep uh, things going. Sounds like we got some real problems there, which makes me very grateful I'm here in beautiful Toronto, where the sun is shining. It's nice out there, baby. Oh! <clears throat> 79 today. At least 300 church abuse suits have been filed, says Newsday. At least 300... I got, I've got so much church stuff here, it's going to make you want to get on your hands and knees and look for wafers. At least 300 civil lawsuits alleging clerical sex abuse have been filed in 16 states since January, when the case of a pedophile priest in Bostonsburg claims against Roman Catholic diocese across America, a nationwide review by the AP has found. Lawyers say the rush of litigation is truly dramatic for such a short time and that several hundred more cases, several hundred more are being informally mediated between diocese and accusers. That ensures American bishops will remain under enormous legal and financial pressure from the scandal even after they overhaul their abuse policy in that meeting in Dallas starting this Thursday. It's off the charts, said Pat Schultz, a Minnesota attorney who's defended dioceses against hundreds of abuse claims. Daniel Holden, attorney for Orange County, California diocese, said it would take a couple of years for their cases alone to be resolved and more will certainly be filed in the coming months. Oh, but it's just a couple of uh, bad... Yeah, right. That's what Wolf Blitzkrieg would have, you believe? Just a couple of bad apples... New York attorney Michael Dowd said he was still preparing about 60 molestation claims against dioceses in his area. Chicago Cardinal Francis George may sell the mansion where the city's archbishops have lived for more than a century, acknowledging some of the proceeds could be used to pay legal fees and abuse cases. I hope all you good Catholics out there feel real good about yourself every Sunday when you go and put that uh, money in the collection plate, knowing it's going to pay off people with bribes and hush money and to settle abuse cases because you got a bunch of perverts in there abusing kids. Almost 250 of the nation's more than 46,000 Roman Catholic priests have been either dismissed from their duties or resigned since the scandal began in January. I think I have another story here that says it's like 281 now. This one says almost 250. I think the number is 281. Let's be up to date. Beyond the toll in loss of staff and credibility, the financial cost of these cases has never been fully calculated. Estimates of what the church has paid out since the first major scandals broke in the 80s range from about 300 million to over a billion. AP reporters across the country interviewed lawyers and reviewed court documents last week to count the number of abuse lawsuits across the nation. The tally does not include a handful of cases alleging misconduct by lay church workers. Diocese in Kentucky faced the most lawsuits, 122, with more than a third involving claims against one priest, the Reverend Lewis E. Miller, who denies any wrongdoing. Hey, that corn sure is special, ain't it, Lewis? Three other suits alleged abuse by Lexington Bishop Kendrick Williams while he was a Louisville priest. He's also denied any wrongdoing. The bulk of the remaining claims were concentrated in states hardest hit by the scandal. At least 73 suits have been filed in Massachusetts, where some of the most notorious abuse cases involving former priest John Gagan and Reverend Paul Shanley have been winding through the courts. Gagan, whose case sparked the crisis, was convicted this year of fondling one boy, though more than 130 others have accused him of molesting them. Another 41 claims have been made in New Hampshire, where Bishop John McCormick has been under scrutiny for his former role in supervising accused priests in Boston and for his response to abuse claims when he became head of the Manchester Diocese, at least 25 additional lawsuits have been filed in California. In states where no new claims have been made, many old suits are pending. The Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, for example, is a defendant in 38 abuse lawsuits filed before January. And some of the newer lawsuits have spilled over into other states. Wisconsin has got no recent claims, but a suit filed this year in California named the Milwaukee Archdiocese's defendant. Intense media coverage of the scandal is partly responsible for a large number of suits, lawyers say. The volume of calls has increased dramatically, said attorney Daryl Papillon of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm truly talking to someone every day, he said. Papillon. 
Lawyers on both sides acknowledge somebody, uh, may, some people may be coming forward with false claims, hoping to cash in on a vulnerable church. But Schultz, the Minnesota lawyer, says he believes the number of fake allegations was likely very small. Steve Rubino, the Jersey attorney, has brought hundreds of abuse claims against the Catholic Church, said psychologists vet, uh, vet clients for him using polygraph examinations and other techniques. Schultz believes the scandal has brought forth what he calls marginal claims, people who may not have been sexually abused but experienced some misconduct by priests in the past and been willing to let it go before they learned how bishops protected the abusive clergy. When I started doing this work, I would often point out to bishops that most victims would come forward first to the church and would only turn to the court system if the church didn't act responsibly, Schultz said. There's a lot they can do to prevent claims from turning into lawsuits. Yeah, like hush money. Rubino agreed that a bishop's reputation for dealing with victims often determines if claims are mediated or land in court. Each bishop has a different approach to dealing with this. Each state's got a different statute of limitations, he said. There's a variety of variables that impact how dioceses are addressing this. No one in the church has an official tally of the number of lawsuits filed before this year. Sylvia Demarest, the Dallas attorney, has been tracking abuse claims, says at least 1,500 U.S. priests have been publicly accused since the 1980s. 1,500. Even with the scandal dragging into its sixth month, new claims are still being made every day. You're not going to be able to stop this, Rubino said. Ah. 11.26 at 5.60 WQAM. Hey, if you're looking for a big one, like maybe Father Tool, we're talking about a big paycheck, of course. That's what everybody aspires for, making some serious bucks. Get out of that dead-end job and pick up that phone and call our friends at Fast Train today because the demand for certified computer professionals has gone through the roof. Call Fast Train toll-free. They'll answer all your questions, get you on the road to a real job, making some serious money, like I said. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Summer classes are forming right now. If you call now, you can be certified in a brand-new career before summer's over. Fast Train offers Microsoft certified instructors for convenient locations, including the brand new campus in Kendall, job placement assistance, day and evening classes too. And for those individuals whose job was affected after 9-11, Fast Train's an operation paycheck training provider. Call them at 866-FAST-TRAIN right now or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. Fast Train can have you certified and ready for that brand new career, like I said only moments ago, in as little as four short months. So call Fast Train today and start putting some real cash in the bank. Call one Probably a <laughs> I know. Sports Radio 560 QAM. Come on, baby. Come play with these titties. Little Monica story coming up. Little. Bill cigars in Monica's vagina. She lets out a giggle when he makes it wiggle. Monica is not the kind. You can do in the behind, but a cigar in her vagina, she don't mind. Well, he don't know where a stogie goes. I can see how there was some confusion between humidor and humid whore. And in Arkansas, the term cedar box means saw her naked. Stars report can lead to going blind. Oy. Now Clinton, he was working hard late nights in the ovary office, working on a practical joke. Stupid. He took a macanudo, put an exploding load in. Poor Monica was blowing rings of smoke. Cigars in Monica's vagina. All right. She lets out a giggle 
Every time he makes it we go Monica is not the kind you can do in the behind But a cigar in her vagina she don't mind Oh, people feel that Hillary's been made a fool of by her husband Feel that Hillary was wronged up in the Lincoln bedroom, she was moaning, moaning. Al Gore was doing her with Bill's old bong. Bill's cigars and Monica's vagina. She lets out a giggle every friggin' time he makes it wiggle. Monica is not the kind you can do it. I promised a short one. Monica Lewinsky found an effective way of getting out of jury duty in Manhattan last Thursday by turning on the waterworks, the New York Daily News reports. Sources said a tearful Lewinsky pleaded with court officials to let her go home, saying she was still scarred from her dealings with courts during the Clinton impeachment scandal. She clearly was traumatized by the system, said a courthouse official who spoke to the former White House intern. She was in tears. She was doing a, uh, what's her name on her passions, the one that's crying all the time? I give up. The, the little scrawny, mousy-looking one that's crying Tabitha? all the time. That, no, not Tabitha. Tabitha's a witch. You don't know your passions, mister. <laughs> no, I don't. But you ought to know she's a spick. Oh, yeah, I know all the spicks. Yeah, you should. Uh, her mother is Pilar, and her brother is uh, our Luis and Miguel, and uh, what the hell is her name? Okay, I got a... Uh, well, anyway, the lawyers on the case involving a firefighter suing the city asked potential jurors if anyone would have a problem being impartial. Lewinsky indicated she could not be impartial, sources said. A lawyer took her aside and grilled her outside the presence of other jurors. Lewinsky tearfully told court officials she felt the firefighter's lawyer was being abusive during the questioning. She was finally excused from serving on a case. Get the hell out of here. Teresa, that's the name I'm looking for. Teresa. Oh, yeah. Teresa. She's always squirting them, and I guess Monica probably watches Passions. Wouldn't you think? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe, like, uh, now that he's back on a show, Julian whips out a big stogie this week and goes after Timmy with it. Or maybe Toto, or maybe both. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm playing that uh, Monica bit, and he says something about uh, your favorite topic. Rectum. Doing her in the behind. And, and, you know, the Catholic Church, I, it's just amazing to me how well they brainwashed their flock. Because basically everything is sinful. Anything having to do with sex is sinful, other than, of course, man and wife, missionary position, got them, are going to try to make a baby sex. Every, everything else is sinful. Right. I mean, anal sex, which is kind of amusing because we're always talking about how the Julios are all big, bigger than anybody else in the anal sex. They like their Rectum. ass. And yet the uh, Hispanics, almost every one of them is Catholic. So all you people, you keep showing up there every Sunday. You keep dutifully uh, doing your thing and mumbling the words and uh, standing up there and letting them stick the wafer in your puss and drinking the wine and doing all the other uh, idiotic crap, going through the rituals. And then you walk out of there thinking, hey, it's all a bunch of crap. Why are they going? Why do they continue showing up? Brainwashing, like you said. God. Everything. 
Certainly, I mean, anal sex, and we're not going to make no babies that way. Masturbation can't make no babies that way. Prince sex out of marriage, sinful. Everything is a goddamn sin. God damn it. Hey, I'll tell you something that's a real crime, that I missed the Goombay Festival. Actually, what I thought I would do over the weekend, uh, this coming weekend here, go to the Little Italy, go to the Goomba Festival. Probably a lot more fun. Which reminds me, nobody has faxed me to warn me when that uh, Carabana fe uh, Fest is coming up here in Toronto, whatever weekend that's going to be. I hope it's not until July, because I sure don't want to be here in the middle of that again. Two years in a row I made the mistake, and I wasn't even living here then. I was just like, you know, coming up on a weekend. Oh, two years in a row I hit the Schwarzfest. Anyway, speaking of that, Coconut Grove. Now, you guys probably were there this weekend, weren't you? Oh, yeah. The whole weekend. I camped out. It's a stone throws from my apartment. Yeah. How many rocks do you throw? For Haitian-born Miami resident Ellie Regnier, few South Florida events bring people together the way the Coconut Grove Goombay Festival does. Look at everyone in the crowd, said Regnier, who grew up in the Bahamas before coming to Miami. Everyone is here, not just Hispanics or Caribbean people or others, but everyone's here together. Held annually in the Grove for 26 years now, the festival drew thousands of visitors to the stretch of Grand Avenue between Douglas Road and McDonald Street this past weekend. I hope you didn't miss that. Regnier, a music teacher at Dade County Public Schools, proudly displayed his heritage in the wildly colorful costume he wears when he plays saxophone with the Bahamas Junkanoo Review. Oh, maybe they're going to be on our list of one-hit wonders. Yeah, man. The Bahamas Junkanoo Review. I have Haiti here, Regnier said, pointing to the Haitian flag embedded in his sparkling headdress, then pointing to the blue, yellow, and black of the Bahamian flag on the back of his costume, and I have the Bahamas here. He's got it on both ends. Yaman. Junkanoo is a performance style based on Afro-Bahamian music and dance that started in the Bahamas when slaves were given a three-day holiday from their masters after Christmas. The wild and hyperkinetic Junkanoo evolved during these periods. See, you learned something else on this show today. How about you never heard of the Junkanoo before, did you? Never. There you go. Goombay organizers said they returned to the festival's American Bahamian roots this year by joining forces with the Bahamian government to offer authentic entertainment such as Visage, one of the most popular Calypso bands in the Bahamas. We want people to leave here with an understanding of the Bahamian-American cultures and how they mix for everyone's benefits, said Marcia Jackman. I wonder if she's related to Sarah Jackman. President of the Miami Bahamas Goombay Festival in the Grove, the all-volunteer group that sponsors the festival. We also wanted to make it a family-oriented event. Now, let me ask you this seriously. I'm not being sarcastic. Is there like a like an Italian American festival that takes place anywhere in South Florida? In South Florida, right? Not that I'm aware of. Or like a Polish American? You see what I'm not getting at? Not that I'm aware of. I don't think we have large numbers of those kinds of people in South you, Florida. You've got you've got um, the spick thing there. What the hell they call? Kaiocho. Kaiocho. And then you have this Goombe thing. Right. How about like a, I don't, I don't know, there must be large groups of other kind of people. Is it like a Chinese festival? No. Of course, you don't have very many Chinese people. Not here. In fact, I got a good suggestion for the politicians, for Mel Lastman and the people, the powers that be in Toronto. This year, it's not too late. Replace the uh, Carabana Festival with like an all-Chinese festival. You sure? Boy, but they got a lot of Chinese people here or what? Uh -huh. Man, incredible. Which is fine with me, in spite of all your caustic comments about Chinese gangs and all those terrible. You always conjure up the worst in every group, you know? Every time I mention about what nice people the the Oriental people are, and they are Oriental, we decided. Remember that argument? Yeah, I remember. Hey, you were on the wrong. It's all the same you, to me. No, no, you were on the wrong side of it because you kept saying they're Asians. I wanted to be blown by correct. what they were saying. Oriental is people with like uh, the slanted eyes. Slanted I hate eyes. to say that, but that that's Oriental. Like Asian, Asian can be Indian. Indian people right. are not Oriental. 
Pakistanis. Are Pakistanis Oriental? No. So Orientals are Orientals, okay? 20 till noon at 560. I'm, I'm all over the place. You want to know why? Because i got 600 more stories here about the churches and the priests. I'm, I'm just Good. loaded with it. I'm loaded with it. There's no end to it. Here's a simple question for you. If somebody offered to give you several thousand dollars over the next few years, would you just take it? Huh? Uh-huh. Of course you would. Be stupid not to do it. Which makes it really, really stupid to pass up a chance to refinance or buy a home at 3.95%. Here's the deal. Would you calm down? You know, Mo's going to get you next time he meets you in the hallway. I'll guarantee you that. <coughs> Here's the deal. There's a Fannie Mae program available at 3.95% for both refinancing and purchasing of homes. Think about it. Just 3.95%. All you have to do is call Financial Group at this toll-free number, 1-800-940-5363. That's 1-800-940-5363. To be more specific, you can get yourself a hundred grand with payments of only 475 bucks a month, or get you 200 grand with payments of only 950 bucks a month. You'll save yourself thousands of dollars, and it would really and truly be downright stupid to pass up a chance to do that. Do the math and do the next logical thing. Get the details by calling our good friends at Financial Group. <coughs> At 1-800-940-LEND. Be sure to tell that Todd Direct told you to call, by the way. 1-800-940-5363. They're an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply. And rates are subject to change if you wait. Marlins travel to Kansas City to battle with the Royals. Coverage starts at 7.30 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Spread them and say cheese. What's up, Mr. Foster? Well, Stephen, I go in for a lap dance, and all I get offered is a laptop. It makes your head spin. Your sexual quandaries are easily solved by the folks in hell. Just give them a call, and they'll hook you up with the right woman for you at the right price for you. Hey, Stephen, isn't this your dad's car? Um, no. You're going to say it, aren't you? Yeah, I guess. But I think he knows. Dude, you're going to hell. Let me say it again. Stephen, you're annoying, baby. Get off my TV set. You know, in the beginning, those spots were, you know, they were kind of cute. They were okay. And now, I don't know if you see them as often as I do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Oh, every time another one of those come on, I just pop my head up at the set and scream. Jesus Christ. God, Stephen, get lost. 11.45 at 5.60, WQM. We got Joe Rose for the Mad Dog today only, 1 to 3. Well, I don't mean today only, but I mean this week. Am I right about that this week? Did we get the whole schedule? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Look at that Friday. Now, what the hell is that all about? I, didn't I guess that. the Mad Dogs figured it out, like the rest of us, how to get a nice busman schedule. He's only working three days this week. Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. Today, you got Joe Rose. And then Friday, Joe Rose at Hooters. Getting the really good assignments. Hank Goldberg at Chula's at uh, 3 this afternoon. Josh Friedman. <laughs> Rounding out a very fat schedule today at 7 o'clock. Then, of course, you got Marlins on deck at 7.30. Marlins of Kansas City, 8.05. Eddie K. after the baseball game, Joey Mark overnight. Josh Friedman. Now, whatever happened with his stapling his puppet? I guess uh, it all came back? Yeah. Now, did the, the smell, though, didn't come back, right? 14 till noon. <laughs> I thought you were always telling me, when we first came to QAM, you told me that the bad smell... Was because he had his stomach stapled. It was like the pus from no, his intestines. No. I don't want to say this right at lunchtime. <laughs> I huh? didn't say that. Oh, I, that was the impression that I was got. was before the stomach uh, stuff. So in other words, he always stunk, is what you're saying? So there's another thing you learned on the show. It's not even quite noon yet. You already learned that Josh Friedman still stinks. Two brothers who say a priest sexually touched them 13 years ago filed a lawsuit Friday against him. The Diocese of Palm Beach and New York Diocese. I'm going to tell you, that Palm Beach Diocese, man, have they had troubles or what? Uh-huh. God. 
The brothers, both of whom were adults when the alleged incidents happened, say in their lawsuit that the two dioceses knew or should have known of Father Matthew Fitzgerald's dangerous and exploitative propensities as a sexual abuser. Dangerous and exploitative propensities as a... I love that. Fitzgerald 59 said Friday afternoon that he's innocent of any allegations or of inappropriate behavior and believes that the lawsuit is motivated by money. Fitzgerald had been active with the Palm Beach Diocese from 1989 to 97 until two allegations of inappropriate behavior with adults came to light. The 97 accusations came five years after another misconduct allegation involving an adult had been leveled against him, an accusation the diocese said was not proven. He was forced by the diocese to take a leave of absence in 1997 and a retirement in 2000, subsequently joining Food for the Poor, South Florida's largest charity. But in April, he was fired from that charity and stripped of his rights to act as a priest. In an April 22th statement, the diocese said he revoked his credentials because his presence as a priest in the area where his pattern of behavior is known would continue to cause further scandal. Prior to arriving in Palm Beach County in 89, Fitzgerald had been with the Diocese of Rockville Center on Long Island after Fitzgerald had a misconduct allegation leveled against him in 1992. The Diocese of Palm Beach reportedly contacted his former diocese and learned there were prior reports of inappropriate behavior. The two brothers filed the lawsuit in Palm Beach County Circuit Court under the names of John Doe's to shield their identities. One of the brothers who filed suit held a news conference Friday afternoon. The 33-year-old said that when he was 20 years old, Fitzgerald grabbed his crotch and whispered a crude sexual comment to him when they were alone in his family's house. At the time, Fitzgerald was serving at St. Ignatius Loyola Cathedral in Palm Beach Gardens. Fitzgerald also once suggested they take a trip to New York City together, but that they would have to share a hotel room, the brother said. Wow. <laughs> when contacted his Pompano Beach home on Friday, Fitzgerald said he has no idea who's making the accusations against him. He's never behaved as alleged in a lawsuit. He said he believes the suit may be financially motivated, but declined to elaborate. How do you like that? Come on, let's go on a uh, trip to New York, and we'll share the same hotel. It's only a one-bed deal, by the way, but it's a queen. And here's a great one from the uh, Boston Herald. I love the headline, because this is a story from Jackson, Mississippi. So the headline says, Miss, period, misconduct, southern priest abuse case, cases haunt law. Misconduct. Jackson, Mississippi, a man who says he settled a pre-sex abuse suit here two years ago for $43,000, said yesterday his mother asked Bernard Cardinal Law to intervene to remove his molester more than three decades ago, but Law did not act on the request. The allegation is the second direct warning to Law, the one-time vicar general of the Diocese of Natchez, Jackson, about a molester priest that Law failed to remove. The allegation also brings to fore the number of alleged molesters who served during his tenure here. I told my mother when it was going on. My mother went to law. She told him about it, but he didn't do nothing. Mark Valencia, 46, of Hattiesburg, said about his alleged molestation at the hands of Reverend Bernard Haddikin, who died in New Jersey in 1996 after numerous reassignments. Valencia said Haddikin sexually abused him for about three years, beginning when he was 12, and that his mother, May, reached out for help from law, whom she said he'd gotten to know and both worked in the civil rights movement in the turbulent 60s. Boston Archdiocese officials declined comment on the Mississippi cases, referring questions to the Diocese of Jackson. Those officials did not respond to repeated calls, but are expected to issue a statement this week. The new allegation follows Law's reported admission last week at a Boston deposition that he failed to keep the Reverend George L. Broussard, his close friend and classmate at Josephinium Seminary in Columbus, Ohio, away from children after being warned Broussard was molesting children. Witnesses at the deposition said Law also acknowledged discussions about child sex allegations against another priest, but similarly did not act. A lawsuit, how come he's not in jail yet, by the way, Cardinal Law? Can you answer that question for me? No, I can't. 
A lawsuit being filed here early as uh, today, char- that's in uh, Jackson, charges law with negligence resulting in ongoing molestation of Kenneth Morrison, 37 now of Chicago, and Morrison's brothers, all molested by Broussard. A second suit on behalf of a sole plaintiff, Angie Phillips, charges that the Reverend Thomas Boyce, now of Batesville, Mississippi, repeatedly raped her in the 1970s, beginning when she was 12. And Phillips' lawyer, Anthony Simon, said law was in charge when another priest, the Reverend Paul Madden, molested a Mississippi boy while on a trip to Ireland. Bernie Law was at the helm when it happened, said Simon, who was also co-counsel in the Morrison suit. In the Morrison suit, Broussard, who has left the priesthood, now lives in Horner, Louisiana, is charged with molesting boys at Jackson St. Peter's Parish, a prestigious cathedral kitty-corner from the governor's mansion. The law was warned by Dr. Francis Morrison that Broussard was abusing boys. At the time, Morrison had no idea his sons were among them. Law did not act before he left Mississippi to become Bishop of Springfield, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in December 1973, Simon said. And this, this story goes on forever. Anyway, it goes on for a long ways, but the bottom line is he still didn't do nothing. Over and over and over again. He just shuffled them around if he did anything at all. This is from the Boston Herald. Advocates for priest abuse victims will withdraw from lawsuit. Hope to participate in Bishop's meeting. That big meet, they're holding their meet in Dallas on Thursday. An advocacy group for victims of sex abuse by priests said yesterday it will withdraw from a lawsuit that prompted Roman Catholic bishops to bar them from this week's meeting on ousting predators from the priesthood. David Clohesse, National Director of Survivors Network for Those Abused by Priests, SNAP, said his group wanted to remove any obstacles to talks and will formally withdraw the lawsuit today. We don't want anything to get in the way of genuine dialogue that might ultimately benefit children, Clohesse said. In a letter to Bishop Wilton Gregory, President of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, we hope you see it as a tangible step toward reconciliation and toward making the church safer. Or did he say the church? Isn't that how they say New England beast, the church? He's on the phone. Oh, he's on the phone with who? I don't know. Well, let's find out. Maybe it's Hank's bookie, huh? He still doesn't know we're talking about him. Maybe it has to do with the uh, interrogation, the the Inquisition that's going on. You know, that whole thing is just fascinating to me. Yeah. That place is out of control, if you ask me. Josh is looking at the tapes right now. Good. Josh is checking the tapes out right now. And if anybody can put his thumb on it, it's Clarence. Clarence Darrow, baby. Sister Marianne Walsh, a spokesman for the Bishop's Conference, said she could not comment until today when conference administrators would have their first chance to review the group's offer. Cloessi had been scheduled to address the bishops during the opening session of their three-day meeting that starts Thursday in Dallas. He and members of SNAP, along with other victims, had also been invited to meet privately with three cardinals and address a closed session of the bishops' panel devising a national policy on disciplining abuse of clergy. A clergy. What did I just say? Clergy. The plans were finalized last Thursday. That same day, SNAP joined a class action lawsuit in Minnesota against the Bishops' Conference and several dioceses seeking to void confidentiality agreements and settlements with the victims. Gregory said the litigation created a legal barrier to discussion. He withdrew his invitation to Cloessie and SNAP and said he was very disappointed that his efforts to meet had been met with a lawsuit. So they're trying to iron that out today. In other developments... In Baltimore, the Reverend George Loscarn was placed on leave of absence after he was confronted with an allegation of past sex abuse Thursday and admitted to it, the Baltimore Archdiocese said. He'd be admitting it. In Kettering, Ohio, a priest who underwent treatment for touching a boy inappropriately in 1988 was suspended after new allegations surfaced, the Cincinnati Archdiocese said. The Reverend Lawrence Strittmatter, 69, has not denied the allegations Archbishop Daniel Polarczyk told parishioners during Masses yesterday. You think that's it? Is it? Massachusetts priest removed from post. <laughs> right. But like Wolf Blitzkrieg said on CNN to a worldwide audience yesterday, it's just a little tiny handful. Yeah, maybe that's all they want to get is a little tiny handful. At least it's tiny when they start. Worcester Mass. Now, the beast knows Worcester, right? Like in the Western Central Mass? Or is he still on the phone? He's on the phone. 
Well, 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 this I'm is sorry, important a, stuff. And no, I, he's that was Clarence stuff. updating me on the search, that's all. And what he's saying? He, they're still combing through the tapes, and they are on a search, on a building-wide search and inquisition, looking for They're logs, going room by room, orifice by orifice. They're going they in the go turrets. The they're looking in the dumpster. They're looking everywhere, man. They're going to do fingerprints. Whoever screwed around with us this morning, man, you're screwing with the wrong people. Screwed with the whole radio station. So Clarence has it all under control. He's got his stuff together. And by screwing with the logs, you know who they screwed with this time? The water Nazi. I'll tell you one thing. You don't screw with the water Nazi whose favorite saying is, don't F with my logs. Isn't that one of her favorite expressions? Right. So somebody not only screwed with their logs, but they stole them. They, 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 They yanked them. Got some real heavy-duty crap going on at QAM. See, everything was going along too well. The trend just came out the other day. We had those gigantic numbers. We don't know how, but the numbers just keep going up and up. and It's just great. Everything's going along too well. Mo actually spoke to me a couple of words when I was there last week. Actually spoke to George in the hallway this morning. Didn't promote our show today or anybody else's on the station, but at least uh, you know he's on speaking terms with George now, which is a step in the right direction. He's stupid. 11.56 at 5.60 WQM. Thinking of painting your home or business? Don't paint. Protect your investment with Liquid Ceramic. Liquid Ceramic, the technology born in NASA's space program, is available right now in South Florida. Liquid Ceramic is the most advanced exterior, interior, and roof coating available. You, too, can have the same high-tech ceramic technology that shields the space shuttle, protecting your home or building, and you'll never, ever have to paint again. That's correct. Liquid Ceramic is guaranteed for as long as you own your home or building. So forget about repainting every few years. Liquid Ceramic won't fade. It won't peel. It's guaranteed. This state-of-the-art coating yields an R24 insulation equivalency, helping you bring those electric bills down, too. Liquid Ceramic's available in over 1,800 different colors. So check out Liquid Ceramic today. Call 305-347-5122. Liquid Ceramics been manufactured and sold for over 40 years, and the good news for the people in South Florida is it's available right there, right now. Call 305-347-5122. That's 305-347-5122. Or visit them on the net at liquidceramic.tv. And when you call, be sure and tell As good as they sound. Only participating locations. The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. This is Howard David. When I take my Feldine, I listen to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. Not George, because he's stupid. It's the Bill Clinton Talk Show. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. We've got a great show tonight, my first talk show. Secretary of State Colin Powell will be dropping in. Dick Cheney will be here. President George Bush will be here. And uh, I knew I'd get you guys. You are so damn gullible. You didn't think those guys were really going to show here, did you? Man. Anyway, you know, life's been pretty good to me after the presidency. I still see Hillary now and again. We went to a baseball game the other day. Pitcher came up to me and whispered something in my ear, and I leaned over to Hillary, and I said, beat it. She took off. The pitcher said, wait a minute. I said, throw out the first pitch. <laughs> no, you know, but, I, but I've met some nice women. I met a woman, nice girl, speaks eight languages. Nice part is she can't say no in any of them. So. <laughs> oh, you know, I still like to stay fit. I went out jogging just the other morning. I tripped. And doggone it, I fell right in the river. And this little kid comes swimming over to me and drags me out. And I said, how can I thank you? And he said, well, how about a new wheelchair? I said, well, he sure don't look handicapped. He said, I will be when my dad finds out I saved your ass. (laughs) 
Well, I'm glad I got a talk show here. You know, it hasn't been easy to talk, though. I've had a little problem with my voice. So I went to a specialist, and I asked the doctor the best way to stop losing my voice. He said, stop eating your words. <laughs> well, here's something weird. You know, I went skiing out west, and I'm looking in the snow there, and I see someone had relieved themselves and written, Clinton must die in the snow. So I called the cops, and then they took a sample of that yellow snow and called me the next day, and they said, Mr. Clinton, that yellow snow belonged to one of your best friends, Al Gore. And I said, dang, I knew I couldn't trust him. What could be worse than that? And they said it was Hillary's handwriting. <laughs> Don't go away. We'll be right back. I'd pay to watch that, I'll guarantee you. I wouldn't pay to watch that stupid-ass fight they had this weekend. A lot of people are bellyaching that they wasted their money on. But nevertheless, 1202 at 560 WQAM. Massachusetts priest removed from post. Worcester, can I get back to this, please? please. I interrupted myself about 20 times because you're going to like this one. A central Massachusetts priest has been removed from his assignments after the Worcester Diocese was notified of an allegation of sexual abuse against him. The Roman Catholic Diocese on Friday removed the Reverend Raymond P. Messier from his duties in Athol and Petersham after a lawyer told the diocese, is that, am I saying that right, Athol? Uh, ask the beast, Athol. he's from, How's what it is spelled? it? A-T-H-O-L. Athol? He don't know. And Petersham, after a lawyer told the diocese that a woman alleges Messier molested her nine-year-old son in 1980. Messier is the sixth priest in the diocese that's been removed since February. That's just in Worcester. Six just in Worcester since February. Archdiocese spokesman Raymond L. Delisle told the Telegram and Gazette of Worcester that Messier will not be engaged in any public ministry in the diocese or elsewhere. In keeping with our policy, we'll cooperate fully with the DA's office in their investigation of this allegation, he said. A message left yesterday at the rectory of St. Francis of Assisi in Athol, seeking comment from Messier, was of course not immediately returned. Messier was also assigned to St. Peter's Church in Petersham and was chaplain of the Athol Fire Department. According to lawyer Carmen Durso, Messier was caught sexually abusing the boy at a Charlton camp owned by the priest's family. Worcester Bishop Daniel Riley said he'll meet with parish leaders to determine what additional assistance is needed by each of the communities and ask for prayers for the alleged victim and his family. Messier's removal came the same day that two men filed suit against Reverend Lee F. Bartlett and the Worcester Diocese alleging sex abuse when the men were in their early teens. Joseph P. Cody, now of New Hampshire, and Kevin A. Donnelly, now of California, said they were forced to participate in what they called the Greek Olympics while staying with a priest on Cape Cod. They alleged that while they were guests at Bartland's Eastham home, they were given alcohol, photographed, and pressured to run naked through the streets. <laughs> Delisle said that ISIS hasn't seen the suit and wouldn't comment. A message left for Lee Bartland and Worcester was, of course, not immediately returned. Nobody's returning nothing, okay, including our sacks of food. Riley removed Bartlett from active ministry in March after allegations of sexual misconduct surfaced. Yeah, let's run naked through the streets. Let's do the Geek and Greek Olympics. <coughs> now, here's uh, the facts from our friend uh, Troy at Balance for Life, who's apoplectic over this whole... Uh, the, seeing as it wasn't bad enough, he stiffed me over the weekend on Friday and Saturday, or Saturday and Sunday. That wasn't bad enough. But then, of course, he winds up looking really stupid with this whole thing that happened today, even through no fault of his own. The Balance for Life driver reports the bags were dropped off between 7 and 7.15 this morning, which sounds about right. Yeah. Because that's about the time when I'm there that I usually come waddling in, and you too, and they're usually sitting out there in that front desk. It says, many Power 96 vans were parked in front of the building at the time. How do you like that? Yeah, as we try to put these clues together on the disappearing black sacks and the disappearing logs. And the disappearing sanity at QAM that seems to be falling apart at the seams. 
Oh, Ron. Ron is back. Hey, Ron, get a life, will you? Okay. I'm, I appreciate all the oldies, but we're going to start that tomorrow. Ron is out of control. In addition to which, we really don't need that much help from the audience, I don't think, on that, do we? Not if you have that site. We got all these websites, including the one that Eric recommended, onehitwonders.central.com. Is that right? I forgot. I hope that's it. If not, uh, straighten me out, Eric. That would be it. Now, here's the facts from uh, Toronto, no less. But this isn't what I'm looking for. Oh, sorry. See, this, this is another wonderful thing. They have they have all kinds of festivals that go on here because there's all kinds of ethnic groups. They have like an Italian festival, and they have all, all kinds of things. It says each July, on the first weekend after Canada Day, eh, they celebrate uh, the Celebrate Toronto Street Festival transforms a series of key intersections on the same the city's famous Young Street, the longest street in the world, into a series of amazing uh, festival sites. The Celebrate Toronto Street Festival was created in 98 as part of Mayor Lastman's vision to bring the people of the newly amalgamated city of Toronto together in a spirit of celebration and civic pride, yada, yada, yada. This is not the one. This is, uh... I I searched for uh, Carabana, Caribbea. The only thing that I could find was this, which was near the dates that you mentioned. No. No, this this is not the one. Oh, well. This, This is one for, like, white people and Asian people and... Do you follow what I'm saying? Right. I searched. Festivals. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be any Afrikaners in this. There might be like one or two. We would hope not, but there might be a couple of the might sneak that in. I found uh, associated with this, they had some guy beating on a drum, leading me to believe that this was the one. Mm-hmm. I'm not touching that. You, you just keep digging your uh, hole deeper and deeper. Stupid. What? Because you make it sound like a, like a jungle thing. And if you find the jungle one, that's the one I'm looking for. Anyway, we got a real asshole by the name of Glenn Garvin who writes, uh, you know, those papers there, I'm, I think I'm going to start a new policy, not even check the Herald of the Sun Sentinel anymore. Because you got such a bunch of yahoos that write in those papers. Now, Glenn Garvin is the, I guess, new, are you familiar with him writing TV stuff in the Herald? I never heard of him no, before. No, I don't read the uh, Herald. <clears throat> the new TV, Sex, Corpses, and Vulgarity. And this is a very lengthy thing, but it's worth reading because it goes to show you the kind of goody two-shoes that write crap in your newspaper down there? The, he, he's the Herald TV critic, Glenn Garvin. So any credibility that I might have had before reading this piece of swill, he says, 50 years ago when a married Lucille Ball was having a baby on I Love Lucy, the network censors wouldn't allow the use of the word pregnant. This year on Friends, Rachel had a baby resulting from a one-night stand, and on the day it was due, tried to speed up delivery via a quickie sexual encounter with her male roommate. Forty years ago, Ozzie and Harriet had never had a scene of any kind take place in Nelson's bedroom. This year on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a fist fight between Buffy and a vampire turned into roughhouse sex so violent that it literally knocked the house down around them. <coughs> Thirty years ago, network official told singer Helen Reddy they would cancel her show unless she started wearing a bra. This year, contestants on Fear Factor were ordered to strip naked on camera to stay in the game. Twenty years ago, an outraged NBC censor vetoed a Saturday Night Live sketch where Bill Murray and Gilda Radner's nerdy characters put on a dopey high school nativity pageant. You can't give noogies to Virgin Mary. You can't give noogies to the Virgin Mary. This year, Cameron Diaz hosted SNL and sang dirty children's songs that purported to be about her, her suit selfish and rain so kitty cats. What the hell is her suit? Uh, Look it up. H-I-R-S-U-T-E. Oh, see, her- her- and this is also- women. Oh, yeah. It's not Puritan paranoia. This is not your father's broadcast TV. TV once expected to be a polite guest in our living rooms has turned into more of a drunken party crasher. Glenn Garvin, you're an asshole, man. Sex, violence, and language that in earlier days would have triggered FCC threats and congressional investigations is now routine. 
Says showbiz historian and critic Michael Medved, who's a real, you know Michael Medved, a real right-wing yep. asshole. A real goody two-shoes. He's like the Bill Bennett of television. He says, I'm not sure I'd use the word shifting. I think the word collapsing might be more appropriate. You think he exaggerates? Comedian George Carlin used to do a routine called Seven Dirty Words You Can Never Say on Television, the ones that will curve your spine, grow hair on your knuckles. Five of the seven have now been uttered on primetime air, and no one doubts the last two, one referring to the female anatomy, the other to oral sex, are on their way. Every week, the CBS crime show CSI features mutilated corpses that would gag a maggot. Televised urination has become so routine that when FX's The Shield had a cop whizzing on a suspect, producer Sean Ryan bragged that we shot it in a very tasteful way as pee scenes go. That's the sort of comment that outrages Laura Mahaney, vice president of the conservative Parents Television Council, which is lobbying advertisers to boycott The Shield. What you've seen is a run to the bottom of the barrel where the networks are seeing who can put the filthiest stuff on the fastest. You never would have seen references to oral sex or inferences of oral sex even five years ago. How about during Bubba Gate, huh, bitch? I guess that was okay when Ken Starr was talking about oral sex and put the filthiest crap that he possibly could there to titillate the public. Now all you, uh, now you hear it all the time, even on shows at 8 p.m. It's like a freight train run amok. Everybody's getting blowjobs everywhere you look. How do you like that? And it's all because of television. It's all because of the president. It's all because of Monica Lewinsky and that goddamn cigar. And then it goes on at great length. It says, whether or not you share Mahoney's, Mahaney's disgust, it's hard to argue with their facts. A brief chaste lesbian kiss on the 10 p.m. L.A. law scandalized the country in 1991. This season, when lesbian witches on the 8 p.m. Buffy the Vampire Slayer levitated because the oral sex was especially good, it passed almost unnoticed. See, I hate to break the news to you. Glenn Garvin, whatever the hell your name is. But time is moving on, okay? It's passing you by. Sometimes I feel that life is passing you by, Glenn. So the fact that Jack Parr almost got canned for saying water closet on The Tonight Show on NBC about uh, 47 years ago, whatever the hell it was. Now not only don't they say water closet anymore, but they actually talk about diarrhea and taking a crap and Mr. Whipple squeezing the Charmin, all this other stuff, okay? How come Archie Bunker could say goddamn 20 odd years ago, but he can't yeah. now? Yeah, Glenn Garvin, you're a goody two shoes. You're a real fossil, is what you are. I'd like to know how old that guy is. Probably not all that old. Probably a young punk, because older, older guys have bought some real money. And you, you can be sure he works cheap if he works for the Herald writing a column like that, being the TV critic. Whatever happened to Terry Jackass? Remember Terry Jackass that worked yeah. for the uh, Herald, was the TV critic? He probably got a real job at a real newspaper. Not that he was all that great, but sure, surely he wasn't writing swill like this. Get a life, Glenn. Twelve minutes past noon at 560 WQA. I'll be honest with you, Bush is doing pretty good on our poll, considering it's our audience. 357 votes. How do you rate the job he and the administration be doing? Now, he's a bozo and a disaster, is leading 163, 45.5%, and a poor job has got 26. But you put those two together, it's only like 53%. Right. So 47% say he's either doing fair, okay, or 68 people, 19%, say excellent. They like Bush. I do, too. Some, something you won't like is shopping around for a mattress, especially now when it's 172 degrees outside. What's the point? What, what, what are you, you trying to be a professionally? Stupid. I mean, that's, I guess. You don't have to run around all over town. This is, I mean, if you want to go to the supermarket and buy groceries, I guess you got to do that. But mattress shopping, you can have them come right to your door and bring you a great new mattress, take away the crappy old bedding. If you do the smart thing, call Dial a Mattress. Just make one easy phone call, 1-800-MATTRESS, and they'll give you stupendous service. You won't even believe how great it is. Because, first of all, you talk to somebody who really knows their stuff. You pick out exactly the brand and kind of mattress that you're looking for. And they got the top makers in the world, Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil. They have unbeatable everyday prices that are uh, just amazing. 
And they offer you delivery whenever it's convenient for you. Any two-hour window that you pick, like between noon and 2, or between 1 and 3, or 2 and 4, or 3 and 5, or 4 and 6, etc. Any day, seven days a week. And, of course, because they've got such a fantastic uh, stock, the mattress you're looking for is always in stock, ready for immediate delivery, too. No bait and swish. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort trial to check it out, too, by sleeping on it to make sure it's great for you and your back. So if your old mattress is lumpy and worn out, if it's had it, get you a great new mattress and a great night's sleep for years to come, like I always do. Call Dial a Mattress the smart way. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or look them up on that wicked World Wide Web. Howard David and Steve Goldie Goldstein, weekday mornings from 6 Get some nine inch straws and suck down some Mai Tais. I've been working out. Wanna feel Mai Tais? You'll fly high. How do you know if you never tried, guys? Tonight I got a date and I'm trying to get my head straight, but I can't figure out which Spice Girl I want to impersonate. And Dr. Gay says, Sweetie, you're a queen. Uh uh. Look at that wing, boy. You're on the team. Well, since age 12, I felt up my first male. And ever since then, never failed at chasing that tail. Got pissed off and ripped my ex boyfriend's nips off. Kissed him and said, I didn't know Blister. Made this off. Smoke a fat pound of pole, then paint on my mole. Orgasmic control is my ultimate goal. Come here, slut. Wait, get away from me. I'm your bro, dog. I don't give a fuck. I take them. So take your clothes off. Hi, my name is... Twelve nineteen at 560 WQAM. Here's a fax from Jay in Palmetto Bay who learned his lesson this weekend. Says, I turned on the radio Sunday afternoon and heard this guy called the crow. How about you, the blob, okay? Jay says he sounds like Gilbert on a bad day. Gilbert on a bad day. <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first, then I realized it was. I will never listen to the radio on weekends again. Still in shock. Says Jay in Palmetto Bay. Go in the locker room and pump, pump, pump. Yeah, that's uh, that's Greg Reed's idea of radio right there. You got it. You got your thumb on it, Jay. Don't make that mistake again. So how's the Inquisition coming? It would seem by now they would have seen something. Well, or is this huh? Well, the, since they found out the exact time when the bags were delivered, now they're going to go find that tape and look and whatnot. Oh God! Now my first inclination, I don't want to start pointing the finger or blaming anybody, but I will anyway for fun. I'm thinking somebody from Power 96, especially since there are all those vans out front. Why would there be a whole bunch of QM vans out there? Were they there when you got there? This morning? Right. All of our vans are always here when we get here. Oh. So, in other words, Troy, Troy is trying to be a big shot over there at Bounce for Life. He's trying to play like Kojak. Oh, and speaking of Kojak, guess what's on that Scream channel that you can't get that's on my digital cable? The Night Stalkers. The Night Stalkers on every Sunday. I saw it yesterday. Sorry, sorry you can't get Scream. It's a great channel. And also Driving Classics. That's got some of the campiest movies ever made. Great stuff. Rhode Island gunman complained of teasing. 
A culture of ribbing among employees at the Providence Journal's production facility may have contributed to the frustration felt by one man who allegedly opened fire on three co-workers, killing two and wounding another in Providence. Carlos Pacheco, a 20-year-old employee at the Providence Journal's production facility, had cried this week about his job and said three men at work were taunting him, said Patricia Bogas, Pacheco's former sister-in-law. Police said Pacheco, 38, went on a shooting spree Saturday morning. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, I see. A 20, I, for a minute I thought it was 20 years old. A 20-year employee. He was 38. He went on a shooting spree Saturday morning at the Journal's production facility and in the nearby suburb of Warwick. Police later found what they believe was his body in a burned-out vehicle. Pacheco was accused of killing his supervisor, Robert Benetti, 38, then leaving the building and shooting co-worker Charles Johnson in the face. The body of co-worker Matthew Fendetti, 29, was found shot to death in his home a few hours later. Eric Reynolds, an inserter at the plant who had known Pacheco for 18 years, described him as a good, quiet guy. He said, always beware of good, quiet people. He said there's a culture of good-natured rimming among employees at the plant. Somewhere along the line, he just flipped out, Reynolds said. Bob Viren, who supervised Pacheco for about 15 years, also was a longtime friend of Benetti. The supervisor was killed. There's always good-natured teasing, but one day a person can come in and take it, and the next day he doesn't want to hear it, Viren said. And, of course, that's the American effing way now, whether it's kids being bullied in school or somebody being ribbed on a job, is you get pissed off, you can't take it, and you just start blowing people away. Yeah, that's the new way. Because guns are good, guns are great. That's what America is all about. America was built on guns, on a sea of guns. That's why we got 50,000 dead people every year, because guns are great. <clears throat> That's why it makes me nauseous to look at the results of our poll here on the president today, on the NRA president, on the Enron president. But nevertheless, hey, you vote however the hell you feel, okay? Who the hell am I? We had a terrorist arrest in Washington today, that uh, Spick, uh, Spick, a.k.a. Uh, Muslim, whatever the hell he is. County issues thousands of anti-radiation pills. Now, don't get nervous, not Dave Broward, Palm Beach. Why not? I know, why not? Because you you, you're not getting any. Hey, just be glad you got your black sack finally from Troy today. You're not getting no radiation pills. A suburban New York County Saturday handed out thousands of pills meant to give residents limited protection from radiation in case of disaster at a nearby nuclear power plant. Now, we got Turkey Point. Well, how come you're not getting any? That's what I said. Westchester County officials are giving out free potassium iodide tablets known as KI, not to be confused with KY, KI, to anyone who lives within 10 miles of the Indian Point nuclear power plant, about 35 miles north of New York City. About 140,000 people live in that 10-mile radius. People lined up outside a Yorktown Heights school to pick up the pills, which can prevent thyroid cancer if taken within 24 hours of a nuclear exposure. The pill works by preventing the thyroid gland from absorbing radiation. Officials said the pills would protect people long enough for them to be evacuated from the area, but they warned that it's not a panacea. Westchester County spokeswoman Victoria Hockman told the AP that 2,617 people had picked up over 10,000 KI pills by the end of the day Saturday. These are not protecting against everything in a nuclear accident. I think it's really important to emphasize, said Dr. Lauren Wisner-Green, a thyroid specialist at NYU Medical Center. What it does do is decrease the ability of the thyroid gland to pick up this radioactive iodine, which can cause a high instance of thyroid cancer, especially in young children. Indian Point's owner, the New Orleans-based Entergy Corporation, says its plant is designed with multiple safety systems, and the prospect of an accident that would threaten the public is unlikely. That's what he said. Baltimore... An FBI sting operation nabbed a research physicist in Maryland after he showed up for what he thought was a meeting to have sex with a 13-year-old girl, authorities announced Friday. 
Federal prosecutors in Baltimore said George Chambers, a civilian uh, physicist with the Naval Surface Warfare Center near Washington, is in custody after arriving at a shopping mall in Columbia, Maryland, for an Internet-arranged rendezvous. The affidavit filed in federal court in Baltimore says Chambers, 45, entered an Internet chat room called I Love Older Men, where he began months of chatting with an FBI undercover agent posing as a 13-year-old girl. Why, are there a lot of stupid people out there or what? Huh? Beast and I just looked at each other like, God, if you were so inclined. Man, what are they going to learn? I'm going to go to that website called Bust Me, please. Yeah, called assholes.com, masochist.com. The court document says Chambers stated he wanted to meet the girl for the purpose of having <gasps> sex with her. Hey, what, says I have to interrupt you, but this is a very monumentous occasion. Okay, wait a minute. Oh! oh, oh. Go ahead. We have the logs. All of them. Okay. Yeah. Wait till you hear this story. Okay. Well, let me do the break because I don't want to interrupt this, okay? All right. Stand by for a very, like they are always saying, news news break on CNN every time, like something rather, like before they had news break and then come to, oh, U.S., uh, you know, has to win their next game to stay in the uh, World Cup. Like that's a news break. We got some real breaking news coming up here on QA momentarily, folks. Big heavy-duty stuff. We got the logs. And the tapes are being surveyed and surveilled as we speak. And the uh, Inquisition continues. This has been the year of the Inquisition at QAM. And we're pretty excited about it, okay? 1226 at 560 WQAM, your psychotic station for the new decade and the new century and the new millennium. Summertime's already there. Just stick your head out the window and, man, you'll pull it back in in a hurry, like a turtle, because it's hotter than hell. But Oleomet is a product that will help you feel your best and keep you in good health all year round, even during the insufferable summertime in South Florida. Oleomet is a soft gel capsule that contains the best olive oil that money can buy, along with, combined with, vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for all different parts of your body, for your prostate, your heart, your blood pressure, and cholesterol. Oleomet's also got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even for your mind, all using the benefits of pharmaceutical-grade olive oil, like I said, the best that money can buy. And Oleomed's got products for men and for you ladies out there, too. Oleomed's available at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy, and Sedano's, too. Pick some up at your uh, nearest store or call for more information about it, if you like, and they'll tell you exactly what it does for you. Call toll-free 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D. Order their products on their website, too. Stooges and the Marx Brothers and pick out better leadership than we got. Weekdays at 1 on Sports Radio 560. QAM. It's Dave! It's in Miami Town. At 560 WQAM. QAM is not a happy place. No. It's a goddamn crappy place. Uh huh. Where everybody hates. Stupid. The sight. Of your place, QAM is not a happy place. Jesus Christ. It's a stinking big disgrace. QAM is not a happy place. No! Jock worshippers who love OJ. Backstabbing reprobates. The equipment always breaks. It's a hot and swarmy place. QAM is not a happy place. No. A real depressing place. QAM is not a happy place. I'm so worked up about this uh, bullet that we got coming here. I went in the refrigerator and got me just a little piece of low-fat cheddar cheese. Pretty good. Sounds good. Yeah. So what's so, the story? Okay, this is uh, pretty funny, actually. So uh, Joe Rose's mailbox in the control room is yeah. right near where they keep the logs. 
Yeah. So evidently, maybe they got stuck in his box. And when he came in Saturday to do his show, he noticed there was a bunch of stuff in his mailbox. Oh, a bunch no. Bunch of crap. Oh, no. So he took it home to go sort through. So He's got a big heart on. So he, I guess he came in this morning and was just sorting through his stuff to get ready for his show. And Curtis, oh. his producer, just happened to be sitting there and saw the logs in the, his bunch of mail stuff that he was about He's to throw He's an asshole. He was about to throw away the logs. He's an asshole. Because he didn't know what they were, so he figured they were, they were junk. He's an asshole. So if Joe Rose wasn't filling in for Mad Dog today, we would never see the logs. He's an asshole. Nice going, Joe. Now you know why they call him the little dog, blockhead, all of these things. That still doesn't solve the balance for life mystery, though. Well, no, but, but now that we know that nobody stole the logs, that tells you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Nobody took the sex because they never got delivered. We're, we're still looking for the tapes. What do you mean they're looking for the tape? Well, because it's on last night's tape, so they have to go find last night's tape. Ah! Well, that's okay. Let's, we'll drag it out. So so the big mystery, the big inquisition there is much to do about nothing. Come to find out that Joe Rose is a, is a, a dumb jock is what he is and took the logs home. That's no fun. No, and especially when you work like about one day out of every two months like he does now on a station. Why would he assume he'd have a big uh, Schmidt load of mail like that? Because well, he did. It, pi- it had piled up. He gets a lot of fan mail. I'll just continue. 12.33 at 5.60 WQAM, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee said yesterday significant numbers of people from inside the government were coming forward with new information on U.S. intelligence failures related to the 9-11 attacks on America. BDI Senator Bob Graham, Florida Democrat, said some of those offering information to the joint investigation of the Senate and House Intelligence Committees were emboldened by the recent disclosures of FBI whistleblower Colleen Rowley. He also said it was becoming clear there are some people who deserve to get sanctions as a result of what they were doing before 9-11. We're already getting significant numbers of people coming to us, either in person or with materials that hadn't been previously known, Graham told CBS's Face the Nation program. I think the testimony of Ms. Rowley has given encouragement to folks inside the federal bureaucracy. In other words, one whistleblower steps up and then all of a sudden everybody wants to blow it. Senator Richard Shelby, the ranking Republican on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, said such failures extended beyond the FBI and CIA to the super-secret National Security Agency and elsewhere. Shelby also said the sweeping plan for a new Department of Homeland Security proposed last week by President Bush did not effectively address the failures of intelligence gathering uncovered so far. In a stinging letter to FBI Director Robert Mueller, Rowley questioned his handling of information and accused FBI headquarters of hampering field agents from fully investigating Zacharias Musawi, the man officials now believe intended to become the 20th hijacker in the attacks. Absolutely not. It doesn't address the intelligence problems that we have, Shelby told the CBS program. This is a proposal that Congress has got to look at carefully. Graham added, we're going to have a full discussion on this plan, and then we'll come out with a better plan. Shelby said the public would be hearing of more instances of FBI and CIA intelligence failures beyond the FBI's failure to connect the July memo by an agent in Phoenix concerned about Middle Eastern men possibly connected to Osama bin Laden taking flight lessons to the August arrest of Musawi in Minnesota. We will, and I add to that, NSA and other members of the intelligence community, Shelby said, we're going to find that there were a lot of missed opportunities, and a lot of it will go back to lack of sharing of information. How do you like that, huh? I don't. And lack of manpower and lack of coordination and lack of uh, financing because we're too busy with a freaking war on drugs. And I don't want to, you know, pee on anybody's parade, but since that previous article mentioned the $43 million that Colin Powell cheerfully presented to the Taliban uh, a year ago, uh, May, a year ago last month, as a matter of fact, just 13 short months ago, $43 million. 
And they had some show on there again last night, I forget where the hell it was, uh, about how they were oppressing the people. Oh, I know what it was. It was about the uh, zoo in uh, Kabul, the reopening of the zoo and how they had to save some of the animals and so on. I guess it was on the National Geographic when I was channel surfing. And they showed all these little starry-eyed kids, you know, who hadn't been able to go to the zoo. And I'm thinking to myself, here we knew that the women were being treated like dirt, like 50th class citizens. Right. That even the men had to wear their hair to a certain length. They were being repressed. There were there were no liberties of any kind. Soccer players were getting their feet cut off. This was one of the most brutal totalitarian regimes in the history of the human race. And yet, we didn't give a flying crap. We couldn't care less about the Taliban. We couldn't care about anybody's rights over there. And as long as they agreed to stop growing the poppies over there for the opium, hey, no problem. We'll give you $43 million because you'd be nice guys now. It was only after the attacks then we decided they were evildoers. Up until that time, they were okay in our book. Now, I realize that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow while you're waving your little flag there with the 50 stars and all the other bull crap. That, that's a bitter pill to swallow, but it happens to be the freaking truth. And what a wicked, wicked price we pay. We never learn our lesson, you know. Whether it's in Chile or Nicaragua or wherever the hell it is, we never learn our lesson. We always can, or whether it was the Shah of Iran, we always conspire with scumbags. And as long as there are scumbags, they're okay in our book. Speaking of this, Coast Guard warns of waterfront threat. And you notice since the, uh, since the whistleblowing started, now everybody's screwing around to cover their ass. Oh, we got threats of, we got, uh, scuba divers, we got people who are gonna come out from underneath, uh, fire hydrants. Everywhere. Under your bed. Don't even be too sure about your mama. About your toilet. Right. From the toilet bowl, if there's a big hand that comes out of there, I guarantee it won't be Mr. Whipple. It won't be the tidy bowl man. It'll be an evildoer. The U.S. Coast Guard has relayed information of a new national terrorist threat from scuba divers or swimmers along the nation's coastline. You see a scuba diver? An original maritime threat report went out Friday, and a government official said yesterday that the maritime industry, including ferry boats and cruise ships, was notified by the Coast Guard. The official would not speculate on scenarios or targets or discuss specific security actions taken by the Coast Guard or the security agencies. A Coast Guard official in Washington told CNN the report was carefully thought out to get the word out to the right people. A threat report was based on additional information that came into more than one federal agency involving both scuba divers and swimmers, the official said. See somebody swimming in the water? Get him. Federal law enforcement recently has been checking with scuba shops and dive schools to corroborate information already received. A U.S. Coast Guard commander said yesterday that a warning in news release issued by the Puget Sound Washington Coast Guard Unit was a little bit too aggressive and it had been misinterpreted to be limited to the waters of Puget Sound when, in fact, it was part of the national news threat alert issued Friday night. But it was the Puget Sound unit's release of information now thought to be mistaken, now thought to be mistaken, that triggered Sunday's clarification by the Coast Guard. Coast Guard Commander Jim McPherson said he could not say what agency had initially issued the warning, nor could he discuss specifics of possible targets. McPherson also said the alert was a new message and that the Coast Guard was working in conjunction with the FBI in additional maritime threat reporting. In other words, they haven't got a freaking idea what's going on. How do you like that? But we do have this arrest today. Let's hear it. How many people were actually on the grounds there at the time? Uh-oh, look at this. Uh, no, I don't know how many are there. Uh, Conception Three Abbey. Three killed, is one a, wounded uh, in Missouri uh, Abbey area. shooting. I'm not real sure how many people actually live there or are there each day, though I would guess uh, 50 to 100 people would be there each day. Uh, More the, guns. What we're getting from the uh, scene, which is pretty remote in our state, uh, we 
think we have at least three fatalities and one injured, but we think the count will go higher. Boy, that's amazing. Do you know who the shooter was? Was the shooter a, a member of the community there? No, we have no idea. Uh, like I said, uh, we have officers on the scene. The sheriff no. of Nottoway County will be handling the uh, uh, the reports. And now, what exactly is an abbey? Like a church? Well, I know that, but I mean, well, why do they call it an abbey? I, I don't know. I mean, like people that write letters there, do they write like Dear Abbey? I don't know. Well, we'll find out, I'm sure. Anyway, shooting at a Missouri Abbey, it's like in North, uh, Concep Conception Junction in uh, extreme northwestern Missouri. 1240 at 560 WQM. Father's Day is here. Make Dad feel special by getting him a comfortable new pair of athletic shoes from our good friends at New Balance Stores. Boy, do I love my newest pair. They're the best I've ever had. They are neat, nifty. New Balance you'll find in Pinecrest, Aventura, and Boca Raton, where they've got fantastic prices for you and a whole family on the world's best athletic shoes. And right now, till Father's Day, buy any New Balance shoe and get you a free cushion support insole, a $30 value. I love these New Balance shoes that I'm wearing. Well, I'm not wearing them right now. I've got bare feet. But as soon as I go out the door, I'll be wearing them. And, man, the comfort they give you and your feet feel great, this is the way to go. So go to New Balance where the staff knows footwear and your feet like nobody else, and they still measure it the old-fashioned way, the length and the width, and your foot, too, to make sure you get a perfect fit each and every time. New Balance stores, don't forget, three locations for you in South Florida. In Miami's Pinecrest, they're on the second floor of the Aventura Mall, and in Boca in the town center. Or check them out on their website if you like at NewBalanceMiami.com. And don't forget, until Father's Day, buy any New Balance shoe and get a free Cushion support insole, and be sure and tell them that Neil sent you by. But hurry, because the offer expires. Trouble with Father's Day gifts in the past? Here you go, Dad. Happy Father's Day. What'd you get me this year? A manicure. What? Happy Father's Day. What'd you get me this year? A pedicure. What are you thinking? Happy Father's Day. Aromatherapy candle. Are you on drugs? An astrology reading. I don't want that crap. This year, get Dad something he needs. Here you go, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Anger management classes. What? Anger management classes at DeVry. You little bitch. Fight me, you fat bastard. 1245 at 560 WQM. I'm just looking at this article I have from the Globe about Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea baby shocker. And I'm thinking a great poll to take one day after we finish our one-hit wonders. The ugliest first lady or uh, daughter of any president in the last 50 years, 60 years. Oh, how many people do uh, do we remember? Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't remember what she looked like. Oh, man. Going to be hard to top her. You got Amy Carter. Okay. Yeah. Miss Lillian. And you have right? Barbara. Barbara. Baba Bush. Chelsea. I'll tell you, Chelsea and uh, and Eleanor Roosevelt and Miss Lillian. Hard to pick amongst them. And Amy, I don't remember. I know she was grotesque, but I can't remember exactly what she looked like. Looked like her dad. Oh, kind of looked like the outside of a bruised rectum. Did first former first daughter buy two pregnancy test kits? His pal say she wants to be a mom soon. Asks the Globe. Love struck Chelsea Clinton is telling you know something. She ought to kiss the ground that anything even close to being alive. Not that her boyfriend is much, but the would even uh, touch her. She is nasty, man. Love struck Chelsea Clinton is telling pal she wants her boyfriend's baby, and some fellow students believe she's already pregnant. Chelsea is glowing, says one friend. She looks so happy and so much in love. The former first daughter was seen buying two clear blue pregnancy test kits on special for 15 bucks at a pharmacy close to Oxford University in England where she's studying. 
according to a person who claims to have witnessed the purchase. A source close to the university newspaper says the woman claimed to be shopping in the store and called to tip them off. He declined to divulge the name of the source, but added she said Chelsea was smiling as she waited for the package. She's waiting for a package. According to her, Chelsea didn't seem worried or concerned. She just slipped the kits into her bag, told us that the counter assistant then raised her eyebrows and said, That's Chelsea! That ugly bitch, that's Chelsea! Just days later, Chelsea called off a long-planned visit to Chicago to appear on Oprah. The show was about TV and children, and she was scheduled to talk about the passage she's penned for a new book by Professor James B. Steyer, who taught her when she was a student at Stanford. It was recorded May 17th without Chelsea and aired May 20th. Rumors began to circulate around the ancient halls and corridors of Oxford that Chelsea was having fellow student Ian Klaus's baby and didn't want to fly. She won't answer any questions, says her student pal, but the feeling is that she's in the family way and doesn't mind a bit. She kept saying how much in love she is and how she wants a baby with Ian. Oh, can you imagine what that baby's going to look like? Oh, God. Her eyes were shining. She just gushed about him. We're soulmates. We'll always be together, she told me. I just want to share his life. I want to have Ian's baby, she said. For sterilization, baby, uh, for both. Too late now, I guess, huh? If ever there was a poster child for forced sterilization, it's Chelsea Clinton. Stop and think about Eleanor Roosevelt, Miss Lillian, Amy Carter, and Chelsea. Oh, man. 1249 at 560 WQM. We got the um, absent-minded professor, Joe Rose, for a Mad Dog of one, if he remembers to show up. He's already here. No, I know he's already there with the program logs. But what a... No wonder he got canned, you know what? Because he was kind of... Stupid. Although very entertaining in his own bizarre, dumb we, jock we, way. We, yeah, but he was kind of... Stupid. Hey, Pompano Park is where it's at. In fact, Mark Major, I want to salute Mark Major. I think it's the first time I ever cashed a ticket on Mark Major. Well, he doesn't do a lot of driving at Pompano Park. But Wednesday night, that was my last night till October at Pompano Park. And Saturday and Wednesday, two winning nights. Oh! Not a whole lot of money. Not enough to like uh, for turnpike tolls, but two winning nights back-to-back. It's an omen. So thank you, Mark Major, wherever you are, bailing me out the last race at Pompano on Wednesday. You want to go have yourself a good time? Every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, it's live harness racing at its best at Pompano Park. Post time is 7.30 and a p.m. Free general parking, free clubhouse and grandstand admission every afternoon evening. And, of course, you got simulcasting every day, seven days a week, starting at noon with highlight harness and thoroughbred action. Pompano Park offers you the only nighttime horse racing action in the entire state. Hear the thundering hooves and root home a winner from outside the track apron, where you can nearly reach out and touch the horses or cheer for your favorite horse from our fifth floor sports bar. And while you're out there on the apron, be sure and shout at Wally Hennessy. How's it going, eh? Every Wednesday is dollar night at Pompano Park. Get draft your hot dog, soda, large pretzel, or popcorn, only a buck apiece. And Wednesday, Fridays, and Saturdays, when we have live racing at Pompano Park, we offer a special all-you-can-eat buffet on the fourth-floor players' lounge. Soup, salad, tons of veggies, and main entrees to choose from, and great desserts, all for one low price. Be sure to get there early before Fad Rich, because otherwise there won't be much left. Also, Friday and Saturday, there's a carving station with turkey, ham, prime rib, pork, or flank steak, too. Pompano Park, where the action is, located on Powerline Road, a block south Atlantic Boulevard. Horsepower, you can... Going on now. Hank Goldberg. Weekdays at 3 on Sports Radio 560. QAM. Push the button, Max! I can't wait to get rid of this whole Attorney General game. To go driving cross country in a brand new 18 wheeler rig. I might fall around a heavy load. Or just disconnect the trailer and go. Cause I'm Janet Reno and I'll be trucking on down the road. I'll 
I'll have a chicken fried steak at every token tooth I can find. And if I meet a little filly, then I'll ask her if she needs a ride. When I pull over at a resting place, I'm gonna wrap her legs around my face. Cause I'm Janet Reno, and I'll be trucking on down the road. The fellas at the way station ought to know the girls who work at night. And by the next mile marker, I'll have the filly by my side. And with the steering wheel between my legs, and the filly sitting on my brakes, I'll be Janet Reno, and I'll be trucking on down the road. Yes, I'll be Janet Reno, and I'll be trucking on down the road. 1254-560 WQAM. Only six minutes away from Joe Rose for the Mad Dog. And one thing we found out today, if we had any doubts about Joe. He's stupid. Yeah. Speaking of Janarino, that's the reason I played this. It... Huh? No, that's that's on that uh, disc. I know. I love Oh, In fact, let's do that again. He's stupid. Yeah. One moment, please. Ah. <laughs> Deerfield Beach, the fictional president of the U.S., was in South Florida on Saturday promoting the candidacy of a woman he'd like to see in the governor's office in real life. Has she got any chance? No. Has she got uh, Chinaman's chance in hell? No. Martin Sheen spent the weekend with former Attorney General Janet Reno, adding star power to her to her bid to convince voters she can defeat incumbent Gen, uh, Governor Jeb Bush in November. I'm tongue-tied just thinking about the prospects, which are none and much less than none. One of the perks of my job as acting uh, president of the U.S. is that I get to meet some of my heroes, which is very gratifying, said Sheen, who plays President Josiah Bartlett on the highly rated series The West Wing. He pointed to Reno as one of his heroes and said he was a huge fan. The three-day campaign swing started Friday night with a fundraiser at the Biltmore Hotel in the Gables. Saturday morning's rally at Cemetery Village drew more than 700 supporters who rarely let Reno finish her sentences before bursting into applause. They kept going, Oi! 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 Others in attendance included a slew of local politicians and one-time Democratic gubernatorial opponent, Lois Frankel, Democrat of West Palm Beach, who dropped out of the race on Thursday. While Frankel did not give her endorsement, she spoke forcefully against Bush and embraced Reno, who leads in the polls for the Democratic nomination, but also trails the governor by double digits, by a whole bunch. A year ago, we all thought the next election would be about the last election, about votes not being counted, Frankel said. It's not about that. It's about people being discounted by an arrogant governor. Reno's speech touched on class sizes and teacher salaries, health care for senior citizens, and growth management concerns. She also continued to invoke the name of Rilia Wilson, the missing Miami five-year-old, who was supposed to be under the state's watchful eye. I don't want this to be a state that loses its children, that walks out on its children, that neglects its children, Reno said. I want it to be a state that cares about children and drags them kicking and screaming out of the broom closet. In spite of the fishermen. Oh, I'm sorry. Senior citizen Lee Bailey, a Deerfield Beach resident, said she was pleased with Reno's speech and was hopeful, though not convinced, that Reno can overcome Bush's lead in the polls with nearly five months to go in a race. Reno and Sheen later went to a rally in Democratic Hispanic Caucus, dinner and dance in Orlando, and appeared at a rally in Tampa yesterday. They went to a dinner and dance at the Democratic Hispanic Caucus. How do you like that? I bet there was a big gathering there, huh? In Orlando. Like I said, love this story if I have time from the New York Daily News. He's a regular guy. He's a model neighbor who walks the dogs, just like Meyer Lansky used to, and spends a lot of time at the local Little League field watching his grandkids play baseball. Does that sound like a man reputed to be the new boss of the Gambino crime family? The day after Peter Gotti and 16 co-defendants were arrested by the feds on a host of labor racketeering, extortion, and gambling charges, his son insisted his dad is only the boss at home. I don't know where...